This is Unfiltered, episode 226 for February 22nd, 2017. They go, yeah, you guys are going crazy. He's doing, what are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts, and it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that yeah. is the that is if our you, job. Yeah. Hey, hey you, uh, yes, wake up over there. It's time again for another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. I'm Chase, there's Chris. Yo. We missed you guys last week a lot, so much in fact that, hey, if you're a patron, head over to patreon.com slash unfilter after this show because we released a very special Patreon-only episode last week yeah it really sets up the intelligence agencies out against trump thesis in a pretty good way using the news of last week like flynn's resignation and uh you know, wait, I, wait wait resignation i thought he was fired I, could, I just couldn't i just i just couldn't imagine another week chase we just can't quit our patrons so it was it was it was good for us to take a week off in the sense that we essentially covered three stories and that meant that we could do way less clip collection for a little bit, clean up a whole bunch of stuff while uh, the beard was back home. It was a perfect timing. Oh, yeah. But we... we And you finally uh, restarted the, the iMac. Yeah, I, I did, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, you know, the thing is, though, we didn't, we didn't rest. We still were following the news oh, and all of that. So we got some stories we're going to get into. We got a really I wish I show. wasn't following oh, the news. Oh, man. So we start with the cyber. You know how you and I like we the We like cyber. the cyber. We do it every day. So you and I, you might consider us cyber experts, especially compared to the news actors that oh. are on. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So let's let's break down this clip. Uh, there is a call for a digital Geneva convention to protect civilians. Now, it, keep in mind, this is a very loose definition of civilians because by civilians, they mean rich multinational corporations Oh, from cyber warfare. Because they're people too, right? Cyber crimes aren't just committed by rogue hackers looking to steal your credit card numbers or personal information. There's a growing concern over cyber attacks carried out by nation states, sometimes against private companies or even individuals. Now, one of the leaders in the tech industry is trying to take the problem head on. Can you guess that leader? Can you guess the leader in the tech industry that's taking this problem head on? Google? That'd be a good guess, It'd right? It'd be a good guess. Yeah. Microsoft? Um, Yes, it's. I was yeah. gonna. I was I gonna was throw gonna another say, one out yeah, there. Like yeah. Cisco would also be a good guess, but yes. no, it's 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 Microsoft, and it starts to get a little weird. At a cybersecurity conference this week, Microsoft President Brad Smith called for a digital Geneva Convention to protect civilians from cyber warfare. For more on what exactly that means and how it could be implemented, we're joined by CNET's senior editor Dan Ackerman. Okay, Dan. So Smith is saying that companies basically need to be a version of Switzerland. What practically does that mean for the tech industry? Microsoft's argument is we're too big to fail. And if we are included in these nation state attacks and we're taken down, 
the critical civilian public infrastructure will be taken out. That I lose my outlook. A email. lot of these big companies, the big tech companies, uh, they provide so much critical infrastructure for communications and commerce, and they need to essentially be sort of neutral global players where, where you are taking them off the battlefield just as if you cannot attack civilians in wartime. They're saying these companies are essentially civilians, just like civilian infrastructure, like power grids and things like that. Of course, we'll take your subsidies. Uh, I find this to be sort of this... Uh, this we are too big to fail argument is sort of overly self-serving that I just find yeah. it inherently Aren't suspicious. There are already laws existing on the books that cover them. <laughs> like don't attack companies. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think there's some laws. Yes. This is supposed to be like a New World Order international agreement, though, uh, that would uh, that all the participating nations would supposedly follow. So the good guys wouldn't attack, but the bad guys would still attack. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It doesn't really stop anything. I know. And, you know, I tell you what, Chase, uh, I think maybe the best things that could happen to our society would be some of these critical internet infrastructures being taken <laughs> offline for a little while. So that way I miss those days. Companies like Vizio couldn't spy on all of us through our homes. Finally tonight, a victory for privacy rights. The Federal Trade Commission has settled charges against television manufacturer Vizio for secretly collecting data on its customers. Did you hear about this? Yeah, but it's I, out of focus, isn't it? Well, I have a second question. Is yeah. this guy in front of a green screen? I know. I think it's I just think it's a I don't know. I don't I don't Sorry, know. guys. I, I always go technical. I can't I, I tell. The, it's, field, it, the production quality is so bad. I can't actually tell because the background's out of focus and the foreground's out of focus. Yeah. Nothing in the shot is in focus. No. No, it's terrible. Well, I was going to say about the Vizio thing is uh, we got a Vizio into the shop at work. I got a Vizio right here. And it, this was one that was been sitting in our shop for a while and it hasn't been plugged into the internet. And so I went through the internet setup and it was like, you have to agree to this disclaimer mm-hmm. and this one and this one. And it is, it's, it's watching you. And, it's creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. And then they sell that to advertisers. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I've yeah. made this, I've made this uh, mention on, on another show, but I, uh, I just want to say it again because I think it's critically important this show is audience funded and this is – in a story like this, this story is actually about advertisers. Vizio was collecting information about your watching habits and actually screen grabs and transmitting it And internet to usage too, by the way. To sell it to advertisers, which they could then combine with other data metrics to track you. This is exactly what's beginning to happen to podcasting. Podcasting is being DVR'd by companies like Stitcher and Google Play and these other applications that combine multiple podcasts where they re-host them and then they stream them to you and they insert ads. These are complete data metrics collections apps. Have no disillusions. When you hit pause, Stitcher records that. When you jump back, when you jump forward, when you turn your phone up, when you turn it down, how far you've listened, if you skipped over the ad, Stitcher and Google Play podcast track all of it. Look at the permissions when you install these apps. I mean, it tells you a lot right there. This is going to start happening to podcasting in a big way if the people that listen and consume to podcasts don't do something. This is another reason why audience-funded shows are very important. There's plenty others out there. We're not like some unbelievable pioneers with this idea. It's just simply the way advertising industries tend to work is they, from their end, they just really want to make sure that they're getting what they're paying for. Yeah. And there's often so much scamming in advertising that they, they, if they can get more metrics, they'll do it because it's their money. I mean, Chase used to work for a company that was their sole business was collecting metrics so that way advertisers could make purchases. Right. Advertisers, television stations, everybody, uh, that was kind of... 
they they use Nielsen as the third party independent currency because no one can trust. It's like saying, "All right, Chris, tell me your advertising numbers. You want a third party metric because you could inflate them and no one mm-hmm. would ever know." And we actually so for for podcasting, we use PodTrack, and PodTrack it is an HTTP redirect, and it it doesn't uh, it doesn't count anything more than a, an independent download, and that is sort of like that's about as far as I'm willing to take it. Because that stays anonymous. There's no. It's just a number that gets reported by PodTrack, right? And it's just via an HTTP redirect. That seems to be like the line I'm willing to walk because that just gives me information too of how many people are downloading the show. Like I kind of need that just as diagnostic data. Fact. That yeah. makes sense. But this next level that we can now do with like DVRs and Stitcher and other applications like the NPR One app, where they are way more aware of your use case and your use behavior. It's a whole other level of data that's getting collected. And, and, and that's where you guys out there need, and I know a lot of our audience already does this, but just keep an eye on who's getting your data and, and follow up and make sure you're not being tracked unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. I like it, Chase. Yes, buddy. So let's move into a world story that uh, is one of the big upsets from the Trump administration is what are they going to do about NATO? What are they going to do about NATO? Meanwhile, Vice President Mike Pence was in the process of delivering some straight talk to the NATO nations. It's all about security and paying the bill. For more on that, let's turn to Manila Chan tonight. Manila, this really has turned out to be somewhat of a meeting of clarification, hasn't it? Oh, it's been a big meeting since NATO had a double dose of demands from America over the past few days, meeting with members of the new Trump administration today. VP Mike Pence met with Jens Stoltenberg just days following a visit by newly minted Secretary of Defense James Mattis. The vice president, though, minced no words. President of the United States and the American people expect our allies to keep their word and to do more in our common defense. And the president expects real progress by the end of 2017. I feel like this is going nowhere. <laughs> there's no, there's just, it's going to go. I don't well, know. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where he said during the campaign, he was going to try to pull out of NATO, whatever. And then he said recently, oh, he was going to stay in NATO and it's, it's all politics. It's, it's, it's just, here's a story nothing. that feels like it's right out change. of Vietnam. The Pentagon has confirmed to RT that despite vowing not to use depleted uranium in Syria, they've in fact fired thousands of rounds during the U.S.-led anti-ISIL operation. You're looking at official video showing coalition strikes using depleted uranium to target an Islamic State oil truck convoy. Do you know why we do this? What is what is the I, there must be some reason that we go. We go all in on, on uranium like this over and over again, but I I don't know what it is. I I don't know either. Make well, it make the area unusable for a while. Or? Let's let's just yeah. I guess that, I don't. Maybe yeah. somebody. I'm sure somebody listening knows if they yeah. could if they could edumacate us on this. I'd appreciate that. And let's just get RT all out of our systems with one more report. Our top story this hour: the United States and Russia are simultaneously bombing the self-proclaimed Islamic State in Syria's Raqqa region. Though the two militaries do not coordinate strikes, they do keep in contact to avoid dangerous conflict in Syria's airspace. R.T. Simone Del Rosario reports on how these two countries are relying more heavily on this deconfliction hotline to pass on information. So we've talked about this deconfliction hotline once before on the show. It was established a little while ago, and now the use of, the use of it under the Trump administration does seem to be expanding a bit, which is probably a good sign of slightly more cooperation. But don't call it cooperation. No. On Friday, Russian 295 bombers targeted the Islamic State in Raqqa, Syria, using X-101 cruise missiles, according to Russia's defense ministry. 
Both Russia and the U.S.-led coalition are operating in the region at the same time, but they do not work together. To avoid any kind of catastrophe mid-air, the U.S. and Russia communicate through a deconfliction hotline. Now, did you see there in the chat room uh, that uh, it looks like a depleted uraniums turns out specifically good at penetrating tanks? Ah, that makes sense. Oh, man. Wow. Well, how many tanks does ISIS have? Well, if it's good as tanks, it's also probably good at, like, fortified buildings yeah, as well. Yeah, thick steel and Yeah, whatnot. thick steel and that sort of hmm. thing. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. All right. Oh, so, yeah. That is some Thanks for stuff. the education. Yeah, no, I, love that. I love that chat room. It's KB like a hive mind. TV. Yeah, yes. they're around there helping us. Yeah. So let's uh, let's keep talking about Russia for a bit. And I think what we should do is probably cover one of the biggest stories that happened last week that uh, we didn't have a main show for. Michael Flynn's resignation as national security advisor after only just over three weeks on the job had been brewing for days. The retired general had become a lightning rod for criticism over his ties with Russia. It was a relationship dating back to 2015 when Flynn sat right next to Vladimir Putin at a dinner in Moscow. My God. If you are, we are so blatant. We are now, we are now in a, in a period of time that feels like McCarthyism all over again. If you are even, if you are photoed with a Russian, if you have business ties in Russia, if you do any business at all with anybody connected to the Russian government, you're immediately guilty. You are assumed guilty. You are assumed compromised by Russia just instantly. <laughs> I don't know. I oh, mean, I know. I really feel that. I really. The reason I mean, why he he did not I mean, just to him, not just I him. know. But I'm just saying, though. I mean, they're they're setting up a timeline. But he did. Uh, what, what was that rule or the law or whatever? The uh, Logan Act. The Logan Act. I mean, he knows better. I mean, he's a three star general, and he knows better. I would bet you. I mean, he was fired from the Obama administration. I don't I owe you a reason. dinner already. You already do. Damn. All right. I'll bet you a beer at that dinner. <laughs> I will. All right. Good. I, and all I don't right, know if we're right. ever going to find out. See, we may not, neither one of us may ever get to collect. But I bet you a beer at that dinner. Right. If they ever release the transcripts of the calls, it'll be the, the mentions of sanctions will be so vague that you it'll be you, we'll be we'll be astonished that this got him in trouble. Oh, you really think the calls I, will be released? No, but there is people. <laughs> well, there are people calling for it. There okay. is a, there is a committee that is calling for the calls to be released, the transcripts of the calls. Okay, all right. Um, but there has been there was an interview where where apparently someone in the Trump administration said the sanctions were mentioned, and it actually sounded like Flynn was trying to distance and speak very vaguely about them. Yeah, but he shouldn't have even been on the call in the first place. I, come on. No, I know, but still. So what? So he can't, as a private citizen, he can't call up somebody he's going to be working with in a few weeks? Well, if there's specific rules against it. The only, so the Logan Act, what it's about, and it's an old law. True. The Logan Act is about a private citizen negotiating on the behalf of the United States government. Correct. He, I would be willing to bet a beer at that dinner that when the transcripts comes out, there will be zero negotiations outside of setting up a phone call. Okay, all right. I think it's I. I, I take I take the beer, e- e- even though I don't think we're ever going to get the transcript. The issue is, is we're not ever getting any sources. No, we're just true. getting the that's intelligence agencies tell the media. Right. The intelligence agencies tell the media, and then the media tells us. Right. That's true. I'll have a clip in the overtime. Okay. Get ready for this. The Wall Street Journal has reported that the intelligence agencies aren't even telling Trump their sources. They are not disclosing sources and I've, means. I've heard that. Yeah. That's astonishing. Yeah. Because so, they don't trust them. So you just get to claim Russia, and then you don't have to prove sources and means, and then the media parrots it. And they, if they can find a photo, then you're really screwed. So, so Court of Monk, you, you must be reading my mind because I was just going to throw this out there. Why did Flynn even lie to Pence in the first place when he, when he talked to the VP Pence about it? Do you think he really did? 
Ah, uh, well. I think that's bullshit. You think so? I think Pence and Trump knew wow. all along. Maybe not Trump. But why wouldn't you? Well, you know. There Trump- was no, there, there, again, if you accept my premise that there was no actual negotiation, then why wouldn't you make this call? That's true. Especially if once you're on the job, you're going to be working with this guy. True. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but I think, you know, once, once you publicly said, no, nah, we didn't talk about Russia, and then they had to have, then he had to be the fall guy because Pence couldn't be the liar because Pence was on the Sunday shows. So Pence can't be the liar, and then he, so he's got to go. They're going to break down the timeline here in a little bit, and I think in here it doesn't really hold up. 2015, when Flynn sat right next to Vladimir Putin at a dinner in Moscow. But it was December 29th, 2016, that became the beginning of the end for Flynn. That day, President Obama announced new sanctions against Russia. And also, let's let's also take the wider context here. Those last-minute sanctions that Obama threw at Russia on his way out the door were an F.U. to Trump and his future relations with Russia. It was sabotage. Obama does this on his way out the door to make things hard intentionally for Russia and Trump when he comes in the door. These, were, these weren't the original sanctions over Crimea. No. These were new sanctions that Obama launched in December. But what were they, what were, what, they were in reaction to something that happened. Yeah, it was supposedly the Russian meddling in, meddling in the election. Right. Which is crap. Right. They were crap sanctions that was, were designed to box Trump in. Yeah, I remember we talked and about so that. And so it seems yeah. like what these guys tried to do, Trump's team, is they tried to do a one-ender around Obama and set up uh, negotiations first and say, hey, look, let's just have a phone call. We'll have negotiations once Trump's in office. Don't worry. Don't freak out. They should have just used Telegram. <laughs> Good one. Yes, they should have. They just used Telegram. No one would have known. Today, President Obama announced new sanctions against Russia, expelled 35 Russian diplomats, and closed two Russian compounds. And then you remember Putin's response? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, why don't your children come to Christmas? Yeah, with co- us? yeah coming or out New with Year's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All in retaliation for Moscow's efforts to influence the U.S. presidential election. I always like this. The CNN B-roll for this is always the voter ballots and the vote counting machines. And remember, the way supposedly that Russia influenced the election was by phishing Podesta, giving his emails to WikiLeaks, and then destroying the trust in American democracy amongst the American people and in Hillary Clinton, ergo shifting the scales to Trump. And remember, the Russians did this before Trump was even the chosen candidate, before the general election. When the other guys like Carson were still running, the Russians had the foresight to influence U.S. elections and release these emails via WikiLeaks. And what the B-roll, instead of computer code going across the screen or WikiLeaks still shots of the emails or even John Podesta walking down the street, they show you voting machine counters intentionally to place that in your mind. Yeah. And this is how it's been ever since these stories broke now. You are correct. Influenced the U.S. presidential election. That same day, Flynn had several phone calls with the Russian ambassador to the United States. The next day, December 30th, in what came as a surprise to the Obama administration, Putin said no Americans would be expelled from Russia and that he would await the inauguration. See, see this, of- this is where Putin made a mistake, I think. Yeah. I think he should have did a little something and then it would have pushed the scent off, right? Yeah. It would have been like, oh, there's nothing suspicious yeah. about this. Right. You're, you're reacting to yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. And I, th- I think the reason he did that was it was a gesture for Trump and Trump couldn't help himself, Uh, he had to go to Twitter. And he had to brag about it. 
which makes it seem like colluding with Trump before taking any action. Then, President-elect Trump celebrated with a tweet, great move on delay by V. Putin. I always knew he was very smart. That, when I saw that tweet, to me, that (laughs) read, one of our guys made a deal. He was smart for taking it. So, again, I think there probably was some collaboration to do it. I still don't have a problem with it. Because here's here's fundamentally why I don't have an issue with it. At the the end of the day, I like it, any step that any government official takes to to move us away from World War III is a step that benefits the American people. But but that's the thing, though. Do we really know it's moving us away from World War III, or are we just really playing into uh, Putin's master plan? (laughs) Yeah, right. The fourth-level chess master Putin, who's planned all of this so far— no. Remember, um, remember, he did hack you, the emails. Right. You know what? You know what puts us closer to war? Bullshit shank- sanctions. Uh, and this anybody that talks to Russia is a bad guy. This is the stuff that puts us closer to war about freaking out over them seizing Crimea. All of this stuff with Syria is what's putting us on the brink of World War Three. So if, if that's the case, OK, if that's the case, then and I don't know if you have a clip about this, but what was it last week uh, that the missile was fired off? Uh, Russia has a, their listening boat outside. Of international We're going to get there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if that's true, yeah. then why why would Putin try to escalate and stir things up with American people and the U.S. government? If that's if that's true, if like what makes you think Putin is? Well, I don't know. All right. Well, okay. Fair so enough. Let's go through. So, uh, so this was so after. So after that announcement, tw- Trump makes the tweet. We're gonna now we're getting to. I always knew he was very smart. January 12th, Washington Post columnist David Ignatius first reports that Flynn had those phone calls with the Russian ambassador. But the White House insisted Flynn did not talk about sanctions in those calls. The call centered around uh, the. The logistics of setting up a call with the president of Russia and the president-elect after he was sworn in, and they exchanged um, logistical information on how to initiate and, and schedule that call. That was it, plain and simple. I Period. talked to General Flynn yesterday, and the conversations uh, that took place at that time uh, were not in any way related. Now, this is January 15th, right. and the timeline is going to start to matter now. Uh, to new U.S. sanctions. Uh, against Russia. But Flynn's calls were intercepted by the U.S. intelligence community. Secret transcripts show Flynn did discuss the sanctions, a potential violation of federal law. How does she know that? Well, remember, she's at the Pentagon, and it was probably leaked. That seems like a big deal. That seems like a really big point. Uh, and this is starting to feel like this, like Flynn was David Petraeus. It really is. Because it's 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 selective leaks that damage him, and it turns out like within the military he's pretty well respected. Like this was a good choice for this job, and now he's been taken out. Good choice, even though he's fired from Obama. Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess I guess you could make the argument that maybe he, if especially especially if you're a Democrat, you could make the argument that he's not a good choice. I happen to think he. I happen to think again because I think avoiding war with Russia is a good thing. I happen to think he is a good choice, but. I mean, I guess if if you feel like I, I guess it depends on your viewpoint, and your perspective. Uh, no, on this. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because if he was such a, a a great general working under the Obama administration, he wouldn't have been terminated, right? I think that is I think that's probably a fair point of debate. I'm sort of basing the I don't have an opinion of the man. I'm basing that statement on when he was chosen, there was a rash of support that came out. From different spokespeople for the oh, military and right. different analysis. Oh, everybody loves him. That's the point I'm referencing. I mean, there. 
but you, you but you tend to get that kind of uh, I don't know. You call it fluff compliments. Not, ev- not well, always. Like with, well, with the new guy, uh, there's well, sometimes guys that come out that just you know got yeah, the nod. Yeah, same thing. I mean, he yeah. got a lot of good yeah. positive. I agree. Play too. But there are there are some cho- there have been some picks where they've come out and really rallied against them. Yeah. So it it doesn't always. It, it, it seemed like he was from a term of like people that are in the military. They respected him. That was the impression I got. I didn't seem to. I didn't seem to get the impression they thought he was a bad pick. However, you know, I to, to me it seems like well, the, this next guy that's been picked is supposedly some great pick too. And well, so if he's so great, then <laughs> why wouldn't well, you go with him the first well, time? And actually, the, the ironic thing is about the new pick. He's like the third choice because it was offered to two other guys. Yeah, Petraeus and they said, is one yeah. of them. <laughs> and said no. Kind of funny. And then and the new pick is is a more of a political yeah, guy yeah. Uh, who doesn't really want to get in conflict. Right. Well, actually, I take and that back. He he doesn't mind getting involved in conflict as long as there's a plan, a plan going in and a plan going out. And same thing, same thing that uh, Flynn got. And, right. And so I, I don't have any personal opinions about any of these guys, and I can't. I'm not going to sit here and vouch for any of them. But to me, it seems like it was a qualified candidate. Unlike, say, the uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, I'm blanking on the uh, education. Uh, oh, DeVos. Yeah. So yeah. unlike DeVos, which was a bad pick, he seemed like, in contrast, a good. He seemed pick. like a good pick. That was that's sort of my point. And so yeah. then, so it does seem like he was sort of taken out. He seems like he was sort of betrayed a bit here. He sort of he's, he's sort of like well it's the same thing where where these leaks came out about Petraeus and then he had to resign. Well, well to be fair, if if he's being be Petra- well, if he's being Petraeus, where's the criminal charges? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Then he's not being Petraeus. Okay. Any way related uh, to new US sanctions uh, against Russia. But Flynn's calls were intercepted by the US intelligence community. Secret transcripts show Flynn did discuss the sanctions, a potential violation of federal law prohibiting private citizens from engaging in diplomacy. Flynn was not yet in office. Oh. Law enforcement officials say Flynn made no promises about lifting sanctions and appeared to be trying to be vague. Alarmed on January 26, the Justice Department attempted to warn the White House. So on the 26th, supposedly Trump was told about this. Okay. Acting Attorney General Sally Yates told White House Counsel Don McGahn that Flynn misled the administration about his communications with the Russians and was potentially vulnerable to blackmail. This afternoon, Press Secretary Sean Spicer revealed the president himself was told the same day. So supposedly the president's told on the 26th. The Justice Department is concerned that because Flynn had this phone call, and Flynn discussed things that he wasn't supposed to discuss, the Russians could now blackmail him with that fact, uh, which I, I, I think that's ludicrous because this conversation was in both parties' interest and it would be undermining their future interest to do something like that. So I think that was never really a risk, but whatever. The thing is, the White House official line, and I find this to be bullshit, the White House official line is that Trump knew on the 26th. I don't, I don't buy it. January 26th. Immediately after the Department of Justice notified the White House counsel of the situation, the White House counsel briefed the president and a small group of his senior advisors. When the president heard the information as presented by White House counsel, he instinctively thought the general counsel, General Flynn, did not do anything wrong, and the White House counsel's review corroborated that. Last Friday, after the Washington Post first revealed to the public what those trans scripts contain the president said this so this is last friday okay this is way after january 26th oh, yeah what do you make of reports um, that general flynn had conversations with the russians about sanctions before you were sworn in i don't know about it i haven't seen it so she says what do you think about these reports i don't know i haven't seen it what report is that what report is that uh, 
So he says he hadn't heard about that. He's going to look into it. Well, this is last Friday. Yeah, or, or he forgot. That's a pretty big thing to forget. I know. But it all came to a head Monday when the White House says President Trump asked Flynn for his resignation. The issue here was that the president got to the point where General Flynn's relationship misleading the vice president and others or the possibility that he had forgotten critical details of this important conversation had created a critical mass and an unsustainable situation. So he supposedly finds out on the 26th and then it's not until mid-February that the intelligence agencies start leaking it to the media because nothing happened. And I think that's probably the reason why. And it feels like the the intelligence – if that's true, then the intelligence agencies are being puppet masters. Puppet masters? uh, It's weird, I think, just because of the fact that in their eyes something was done wrong as far as in the eyes of the law or whatever. And they're pissed off that everyone's saying that nothing happened. It was no big deal. But maybe on their end, maybe they have some content in those tapes. But they're not they're not private citizens. Yeah. Right? They're part of a, a military structure. Yeah. I can understand like if somebody's a Microsoft or an Apple or a Google employee right. having a moral high ground here. Or if you're someone like Edward Snowden who has a who has a just this massive treasure trove of information that is that is that reveals well, unbelievable the, constitutional so, violations. So it was the Justice Department who advised the White House on the twenty sixth, right? That was that was yeah. when the first shot was, and, and then nearly a month later, uh, maybe less than a month, a little bit weeks, less, yeah, less, three weeks later, three weeks later, there was still no action, and I think at that point, that's when the leaks started happening and yeah. being pushed out because yeah. they're like, see, look, the White House isn't doing anything. Yeah, that's pretty disturbing. Yeah, because if they're going to do it for this kind of thing, what else are they going to do this for? I mean, if it's is it a I mean, if they're going to be it feels like they're trying to build a big narrative and it's part of establishing that narrative. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is the first domino. This is the first domino. This is not the end of the investigation. This is the beginning. Right. Now, to that point of actual investigation comments on General Flynn confirm that he and the intelligence community are still at odds. The Wall Street Journal reports U.S. spies are keeping sensitive information from the president because of their, quote, deep mistrust of him. The Director of National Intelligence, the National Intelligence Office says, quote, any suggestion that the U.S. intelligence community is withholding information and not providing the best possible intelligence to the president and his national security team is not true. Republicans and Democrats are calling for investigations into Flynn's firing, but they disagree about what to investigate. So here's my thoughts. They have to release the transcripts. They have to. Yeah. Then we can make an educated decision here. Was this undermining the U.S. government's position with a sovereign nation or was this simply one diplomat speaking to another about setting up calls right as very unfair sanctions were being levied against their government? If they it, I, I think they have to release the transcripts to 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 prove what they did. Right. And hopefully they won't be fully redacted. Right. A whole bunch of black all over the transcripts. I'm sure they will be. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those things where. To take away this whole puppet master thing, if they come out with transcripts that show just blatancy, okay, fine. But if they come out with transcripts that show just nothing really going you on. Remember, so you remember during Obama's, I think it was during the 2012 race, uh, he said like Medvedev or whoever it was, 
uh, this is my last election. After my election, I'll have more flexibility. And then his response right, was, yes. all right, I'll tell Vladimir Putin. Remember right. that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, if, he was doing a meeting. If yeah, the transcripts even revealed that level of collaboration, that would seem to be worthy of this amount of upset, which is not even that dramatic. But here's the weird thing. Isn't it like, I don't know, kind of obvious to to Putin or whatever that, you know, with during the election, Trump was so friendly uh, in talking about Russia. I, I would say generally friendly. OK, if Putin already knew that, that that Trump coming in was generally going to be friendly towards him. Do you think it was even needed then at that point to have a conversation to say, oh, hey, you know, don't worry uh, about these sanctions. That's why I'm. That's why I'm willing to bet you that beer that if we ever see the transcripts, it's going to be absurdly vague. Or, because here's the other thing: Flynn is, knows oh, he's being recorded, right. or it's going to be specific. I would assume if I'm Flynn, one or one or the other. I would assume that even if even if our own agencies aren't recording us, which he was making the call from a government phone, I would assume. Oh yeah. So I he would. He's not like he's an idiot. And he would probably also be under the assumption that the Russians would be recording it on their end. So I would imagine he was fairly guarded. The call That's happened. Very good point. I give you. We give you that one. That's a very good point. And if he if he wasn't, then he probably shouldn't have been getting that national security advisor position because that's probably not a good idea if he doesn't understand how that works. Yeah. You know, because you got to be you got to be really stupid to forget that. Fuck the EU. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a little more. A little more. So yeah, they, they're not sure how they're going to investigate if they should be investigating the content of the leaks or if they should be investigating the fact that the call happened. That's of course a right left battle that's happening right now. Uh, I thought this interview with a former CIA officer was rather interesting. Trump is looking for answers on the leaks coming from the White House. <laughs> I've gone to all of the uh, folks in charge of the various agencies, and we're, I've actually uh, called the Justice Department to look into the leaks. Those are criminal leaks. <laughs> They're put out by people either in agencies. I think you'll see it stopping because now we have our people in. One person who would also like to see those leaks stop, a former CIA officer who says the spies plotting against the president are out of control. Joining me now is that former CIA officer and Democrat. His name is Brian Dean Wright. Thank you so much for being with us. So great to be here. So these, there are leaks. You know That's this right. for a fact. That's you right. have friends in the intelligence community. You, you were a CIA That's agent. Right. Yeah. What are they telling you? Here's what's happening. A lot of agency officers are doing very, very important and good work, right? But there are a handful who are doing something very, very wrong. Which You always got to make that disclaimer, right? <laughs> of course. There's always a few bad apples. ...information or not giving that information to the president. They are doing that for a couple of different reasons. But the persons or the folks who are doing that for political purposes, partisan hatred, that's dangerous. That's incredibly dangerous for the republic because they don't get to decide uh, winners and losers. The American people get to decide uh, that. They did in November. I might not like it as a Democrat. Democrat, but the people spoke. And for, for somebody to sit back and, and try to push the, the scales of, of uh, you know, politics in this country because they don't like the results, especially former spies, uh, current right. spies, I should say, that's why. Oh, that was an interesting slip, wasn't Whoops. it? Oh. He's the commander in chief. He's correct. the one in charge. He's the one that makes decisions. And if he doesn't have all the information, isn't it putting our country at risk? Unquestionably. Listen, I served under President Bush. You know, as a Democrat, it, there were times that, that that was very difficult, right? But you walked in, not as a Democrat or Republican or a Christian 
Christian or a Muslim or gay or straight. It didn't matter. As you an American. In, that's right. And you salute your flag and you salute your commander in chief and you serve your country. That is your oath to the American people. So as a Democrat, how do you think the media or the intel community is treating this president? Well, again, I think most are doing their job and most serve him and serve him faithfully. But the problem is, I think it's the leftovers from the last administration and then people who are just cranky that, frankly, they didn't get a job in the Clinton administration, right. if I could be very blunt. And I think that they're doing this business out of a political partisanship. I do think that some of them have got this idea that, hey, it is my job to save the republic, right? It's, it's, no, it's not. It's the Department of Justice. It's Congress. It's the American people to make that decision. And that's my point. That's my point right there. You might yeah. want to be a hero, but it doesn't seem like that's your job. The problem is, how do you get the information out when it's being suppressed? I mean, how do you do it? That's always been the case, though. Right, right. But now more than <clears throat> ever. I mean, the information's classified. It's a call between Flynn and a Russian ambassador. That's a classified-ass call. Right. Well, if it was so classified, it should have been done on a more secure... We don't know what line it was done on. That's, That's another true. thing. That's another, yeah. Um, this is, this, this supposedly, this Tony Schaefer supposedly reveals directly who was behind the phone call leaks. Sure. Oh. Here to start this all out, former CIA-trained defense intelligence officer. He's retired lieutenant colonel. Tony Schaefer, colonel, hey, um, you know, there have been leaks about phone calls between the president and leaders of Australia and Mexico, like as said. well as the investigation into the Russian alleged interfer interference and the hacks into the DNC. Right. Are leaks by Obama officials the problem? Absolutely. And I put this right at the feet of John Brennan and Jim Clapper. What? And uh, I would even go so far as to say the White House was directly involved before they left. I, I'd put this in the form of Ben Rhodes and uh, Ben Rhodes and those folks. Huh. So that's OK. That's interesting. And then I want to play one more clip that got a lot of attention this week. I think this is uh, from so Dennis. The Department yeah, of Justice had reportedly warned the Trump administration that Flynn could be vulnerable to blackmail for his connection to the Russian ambassador. Are you surprised by the resignation? What's your take here? Well, uh, General Flynn has admitted misleading the vice president. But I think we have to look at this a little bit deeper. A, a phone call from the incoming director of national security was intercepted and uh, the contents given to the media. And you have to, uh, and, and, sh and so obviously shared by intelligence officials. Now what's at the core of this is an effort by some in the intelligence community to upend any uh, positive relationship between the U.S. and Russia. And I tell you, there's a marching band and chowder society out there. There's gold in them, there are hills. There are people trying to separate the U.S. and Russia so that this uh, military-industrial uh, intel um, axis can cash in. So, so, is the, so is the bigger issue here, in your view, the fact that this was leaked and somebody inside the White House got this news out to the press? What, what are you saying? Well, look, it's an issue, and, and the general has it's admitted in his resignation letter that he misled the vice president. That's a bad thing. But the American <laughs> people have to know that there's a game going on inside the intelligence community where there are those who want to separate the U.S. from Russia in a way that would reignite the Cold War. That's what's at the bottom of all this. It's like it's early in the morning. It's Valentine's Day. But wake up, America. Wow. <laughs> Congressman, do you think that this fundamentally changes the prospect of a stronger relationship with Russia, or do you think that things can proceed as they have been proceeding, as the president has said he'd like to proceed? What? Hey, look, this, what's going on in the intelligence community with this new president is unprecedented. They're making every effort to upend him. 
Who knows what the truth is anymore? It's like, it's like this is like Mad Mag, the electronic version of Mad Magazine, spy versus spy. Oh. And, and so the bottom line is we should not start a Cold War again with Russia. The American people forked over billions of dollars for the last one and changed the quality of life in this country. Doesn't he know he's a Democrat? He's not supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> well, for, to be fair, understand. he is on Fox, so I guess he's business to, at that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the B channel. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's uh, let's talk about this really quick. I don't have a lot to comment on this. Then just a couple more topics on this whole Russia category altogether. Not some breaking news to CNN that we're just hearing. Russia's long-standing ambassador to the United Nations has died. The Russian Foreign Ministry confirmed that Vitaly Cherkin died unexpectedly in New York. So far, we have no details on the circumstances. It's been happening a lot recently for Russian ambassadors. Also, just an interesting data point. This, uh, this man received a uh, solicitation for campaign financing by your buddy. My good friend. John McCain. Oh. John McCain later said it was an accident. Uh, but WikiLeaks a little while ago revealed that John McCain actually solicited campaign financing from this ambassador's office. Uh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes if you're curious about that. So it's just an interesting little John McCain connection. To this ambassador. Maybe worth noting. I don't know. I don't know. This is a funny story. Russia's state media has been ordered to cut back on positive coverage of the Donald. The Russian news agency Interfax says Russian media gave more airtime to President Trump in January than Vladimir Putin. That is apparently changing as Russian officials scale back their optimism over what one top diplomat calls a new post-West world order. Correspondent Rich Edson has that story tonight from the State Department. The Kremlin has ordered Russian state media to curtail its positive coverage of President Donald Trump. Russian officials worry the new U.S. administration is less friendly towards Russia than first thought. This is according to Bloomberg, citing three people familiar with the matter. As top Trump cabinet members more frequently deliver criticism of Russia. Our alliance will continue to hold Russia accountable and demand that they honor the Minsk agreements, beginning with de-escalating violence in eastern Ukraine. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and Secretary of Defense James Mattis have delivered similar messages, warning Russia to honor its commitments to halt violence in eastern Ukraine. President Trump himself has tweeted, quote, Crimea was taken by Russia during the Obama administration. Was Obama too soft on Russia? And last week, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov claimed the Western-centric post-World War II order is dissolving. The whole history stage that can be called post-Cold War order has come to an end. We are convinced that its main result is a failure to apply the Cold War institutions to the new reality. President Trump's relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin began with mutual praise. Putin comes out, he says, Trump is brilliant. Ought to reject that. And while investigators probe Russian interference in the U.S. election, the White House denies the Trump campaign was in contact with Russian officials. However, reports say Russian officials dispute that, claiming they did speak with those in the Trump campaign. Despite these differences, both U.S. and Russian officials say there's a potential for the two countries to work together, though U.S. lawmakers in both parties are pressing the Trump administration to resist easing sanctions against the Putin regime. And the president's choice to lead the National Security Council, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, has accused Russia of running a sophisticated operation to destabilize governments and alliances in the West and influence foreign elections. 
The Russian government says Secretary Tillerson called Foreign Minister Lavrov today to offer condolences to the Russian ambassador to the United Nations who died unexpectedly yesterday. A State Department official would only confirm that the call happened. <laughs> so it seems like perhaps the Russians are beginning to change their opinion of Trump. Um, and there's one guy, this uh, guy, supposedly an uh, expert on Russians, who says the spy ship that you mentioned is basically a actions speak louder than words, we don't trust you statement. Yeah, the Russian spy ship we've been tracking is hanging out, if you will, off the coast of Virginia, home to the world's largest naval base. The U.S. military is monitoring the ship and has been doing so for weeks, as they've told our Lucas Tomlinson in an exclusive reporting. And while the president says he wants better relations with Moscow, there is a question as to where his new national security advisor stands. Joining me now is Peter Doran. He's the executive vice president at the Center for European Policy and an expert on Russia and Ukraine. Crane here. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you guy. back on the program. I'm going to ask our control room to put back up the map that we just showed our viewers so they could watch one more time uh, the, where the ship has traveled over the last several weeks. So it's just right there off the uh, East Coast. Yeah, just hanging out there. In international waters, uh, 30 miles off the coast of Virginia right now. It's kind of incredible. You'll see that blue line along the shore. So it's worth pointing out that the ship is not doing something illegal, per se. It's not doing something unlike we would do, the Pentagon has also said. But it is significant and is symbolic in some ways, Peter. And I'm curious your thoughts as to what Russia is up to. Well, the deployment of this spy ship uh, along the east coast of the United States demonstrates that Russia is clearly not happy with some of the recent developments that have taken place here in Washington. So this spy ship is there to send a message. And that message says we're here, we're listening, and we still view ourselves as competing against you. That's the message that this spy ship is intended to send to the White House. And so far, the response from the U.S. administration has been very cool and calm. And that's, that's, pro that's how you're supposed to act, given this kind of move from the Kremlin. I agree. I think that is actually how you should respond, uh, because... It's all about sort of positioning in this right. case. This boat is about positioning, but it's kind of creepy. Well, but like as they said, we we do this too, and we do it a lot. And you know, but they're very public right now. Thirty miles right off the coast. Yeah, they're very public off a very important naval base where a lot of our subs are stationed. Are, are, out are of. they doing this to try to provoke a response to see what if Trump is going to do? something? I think it's an action to speak louder than words. Okay. I really think I think we are being told one thing in the media while something else is happening on the background. You know, Trump's people have been out there sort of saying mince agreement, mince agreement. We really HR. He just got on board. Like they said in that clip, we don't really know how, what he's going to what his take is going to be on Russia. To me, I think I think Putin and the Kremlin guys over there, whoever, however you want to however you want to phrase this, I think maybe maybe they maybe they are doing something. In, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe we're being told one thing and they're doing and acting in a totally different way. That's right. probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> putting a boat off the coast is not really a great way to fire up new conversations with the new administration. That's not no, really absolutely the, not. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's seems, not going to help. Seems a little bit like a statement to me, too. You know what? I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I'm doing a lot of agreeing today, but yes, I'm inclined to agree. So did you hear about this press conference that uh, Trump had? He called up a press conference at the last minute. Uh, and it was unhinged. It was crazy. It was I all over the place. I saw the whole yeah. thing. I got a few clips. Uh, let's start. Your buddy. My good friend. Scott Pelley. Ah, Scott, CBS. With his best anchor voice is going to set up the uh, the essence of this uh, important event. All day long, people are saying, yes, sir, Mr. President, but you can't do that. Yeah, right. yeah the, the news but, conference yesterday, Scott, he had it against the advice of his top advisors. 
Well, there are some things that the president could do, and that is uh, call a news conference anytime. I can also talk like this. <laughs> president could do, and that is uh, call a news conference anytime he wants to. We were all scrambling to get on the air because uh, that was a completely unexpected and, and unannounced thing. But uh, again, this is what the founders had in mind when they created this system of checks yes, and balances. Mm -hmm. They wanted the president, the Congress, and the courts to be mutually constrained. And uh, Get ready if you can catch the new zinger. You ready for it? It's gonna, I'm, it wa I'm waiting. I think he's about to nail one. I think, he should, I think they should run with this. Donald Trump isn't the boss anymore. He's the apprentice, and he doesn't like oh, that. He's Wow! Isn't that good? Wow! That's, that's Scott Scott. You know he did went, he come up with that one? You, I don't know if it was written for him. You know he went in there. You, he went in there he with that wait, one. He's waiting. He there. actually. It's one of those things where he delivers it twice in the same interview, so you oh. kind of feel like it's a little messaging. But uh, yeah, this press conference. Some people call it a meltdown. Uh, I really, you know what? Probably you and I, you and I, we had talked about what is a Trump press conference going to be like, <laughs> and we really wondered because you know Obamas were so slow. He talked. Very slow look, and I would then I would edit it down when we played it on the show. Um, but I I have a clip like a highlight reel, and it is edited to make it a little more funny. So bear All in right, mind it's, it's tight right. and it jumps around a little bit, but it gives you an essence of the uh, press conference. It's kind of a hit. In the vessel, the spy vessel off the coast of the United States. Not good. There was a ballistic missile test that many interpreted Not as a violation good. of an agreement good. between the two countries, and a Russian plane buzzed the U.S. destroyer. Not good. We are running. This is a fine-tuned machine. Hillary Clinton did a reset. Remember with the stupid plastic button that made us all look like a bunch of jerks? He I love my favorite line right there. That was my bunch of jerks. <laughs> made us all look like a bunch of jerks. Here, take a look. You know what uranium is, right? It's a thing called nuclear weapons and other things. Like, lots of things are done with uranium. He looked at her <laughs> like, what the hell is she doing with that cheap plastic button? We are going to attack Mosul in four months. The greatest thing I could do is shoot that ship that's 30 miles offshore right out of the water. But tomorrow the headlines are going to be Donald Trump rants and I'm not ranting and raving. I'm actually having a very good time, okay? Donald Trump <laughs> rants and raves at the press. I'm not ranting and raving. I'm just telling you, you know, you're dishonest people. I'm not oh. ranting and raving. I love this. I'm having a good time doing it. And I can tell you one thing about a briefing that we're allowed to say because anybody that ever read the most basic book can say it, nuclear holocaust would be like no other. Next week, we are going to attack Muslim. I am the least anti-Semitic person that you've ever seen. Did you hear him? Bibi. He said, Bibi. I've known Donald Trump for a long time. And then he said, forget it. We're going to attack Mosul in one month. Hillary Clinton, that was a reset. Remember it said reset? Now, if I do that, oh, I'm a bad guy. She gave all that valuable uranium away. She did other things. You know, they say I'm close to Russia. Hillary Clinton gave away 20% of the uranium in the United States. She's close to Russia. And the congressional... Well, I would. Caucus, I tell you what. Do you want to well set up the, the meeting? Do you want to set up the meeting? No, no, no. I'm, are they I'm, friends I'm, of I'm yours? I'm just a reporter. No, get I, set up the I meeting. I know some of them. The Where are you from? Uh, BBC. Good. Here's another beauty. <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Isn't that great? Wow. So I did. There was uh, I would love to see the press do this kind of stuff all the time. There was one moment that I thought was pretty great. 
You said today that you had the biggest electoral margin since Ronald Reagan with 304 or 306 oh, electoral votes. In fact, President Obama got 365 in 2008. Well, I'm talking about Republican. The, pre- the yeah. pres- President uh, Obama, 332, yeah. and George H.W. Bush, 426 when he won as president. So why should Americans trust well, you no, I was when told, you're I was misrepresenting given information? information? I, I was just given. We had a very, very big margin. The question is, why should Americans trust you when you accuse the information they receive of being fake when you're providing information that's well, not Well, I, I was given that information. I was given, I've, actually, I've seen that information around. <laughs> I just love that moment. Well, I mean, but it's a, it's a valid point. I mean, they, right when I was watching this live, and when he said that, I did a double take like, Come on, man. You can't say that because I immediately thought of Bush. I was like, he had over like 400. I'm like, come on, Donald. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, it left uh, Shep just <laughs> – oh, oh, he was wrecked. Play this. Oh, Continuing coverage of the president's uh, news conference that happened early this afternoon. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of our job to <laughs> let you know he's just like, when he's things wrecked. I know. are said that aren't true, especially by people you've elected. And this, this president – keeps telling untrue things and it, he does it every single time he's in front of the microphone it's, it's demonstrable i can re-rack the tape for you there were a lot of them today some of them aren't really big but they're coming from the president of the united states today he said i had the biggest electoral win since ronald reagan he didn't he said this repeatedly over and over and over again and every time he says it it's not true again is it a big thing no but he's the one who brings him up nobody asked about his electoral college win and here's another thing one of the biggest questions that the, the people who ask him questions have right now is, what is this relationship with Russia? When Russia was hacking into the election, hacking into the Democrats, yeah. uh, the DNC, yeah. your guys were on the phone with the Russians. Did you talk about that? We, we don't get a straight answer on this question, which leads us to continue to ask the question. And then he says Russia is a ruse. It's fake news. The leaks are real, but the news is fake. So that's impossible. He's saying that the the information in the leaks is accurate. After all, it's the reason he fired Mike Flynn, right? Well, he says he fired Mike Flynn because it's very confusing. Well, no, he says he fired Mike Flynn because Mike Flynn lied to Pence. That's not that confusing. Yeah. Jeff Mason's with us, White House correspondent for the Reuters News Agency uh, and the the head of the White House Correspondents Association. John Bussey's here, associate editor of the Wall Street Journal. I I hear you over there, Jeff, trying not to upset the apple cart here, but we keep getting a series of untrue things. So that's Shep's uh, Shep's take on the press conference. And he got a lot of heat for this. Yeah, yeah. Some people said it was his CNN audition. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, here's the thing. You know, I'm friends with a lot of journalists. And I, I and they 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 honestly don't take a bias. They they get the story from both sides of the equation. And when when they see Trump out there and saying, you know, and that tweet, you know, CNN, ABC, CBS, they're all fake and whatever. And they got Shep. A lot of these people, you know, they got into it not for the entertainment value. They got into it because they wanted to make a difference. And when you have the president of the United States just coming out and saying things that are blatantly not true. And then throws the media under the bus at the same time, they're going to start getting pissed. And, you know, Shep's getting pissed. And I don't blame him. I really don't. It's frustrating. I follow you to a degree. Uh, I don't I don't share your empathy for these news actors at this level of corporate media. I, I find them to be some of the most dishonest. I mean, just look at the last 225 episodes of the show. They are sure. some of the most dishonest, agenda-driven people. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Perhaps, perhaps at some level, there are. I, I'm sure lots of journalists that are doing it for the story. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily agree uh, at the level that these people are on the television. That that that. that I think that's more would, driven would, by a corporate agenda. Well, it's it's weird when I when I look at Shep and how he was talking. It didn't seem like an act. It, it you know, especially when his tone of his voice and the kind of the quiver. Oh, and, absolutely. So here's the thing. Know, I so yeah. so he says something in here that I think it sets up the entire thing. He says it's, it's sort of our job to let you know when things are said that aren't true, especially by people you've elected. And so he says it's our job to let you know when things aren't true. On this question. which And then he says... This relationship with Russia. When Russia was hacking into the election, hacking into the Democrats, uh, the DNC, your guys were on the phone with the Russians. Did you talk about that? So if you, if you truly believe with, with conviction that the Russians did hack the election, quote-unquote... And did manipulate, or I'm sorry, no, the term is metal in the election. Right. And then you also believe that there was some conspiring happening happening on the phone. That it's not really a hack anymore. Right. So if you honestly believe these things to be fact, yeah, you probably would be upset. Now, the thing that kind of breaks down here is he kind of exaggerates a little bit. Your guys were on the phone with the Russians. Now, he says that your guys were on the phone with the Russians while the hacking was happening. That's 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 fabricated. Hacking into the Democrats, uh, the DNC, your guys were on the phone with the Russians. Those things are not related. They were on the phone with the Russians after the sanctions in December. Right. The hacks happened back during earlier in the year, back in January and March. And that's when the hacks happened. So that bit's an exaggeration. So he is he is colluding to two facts. But if you truly believe that your job is to tell the truth and you believe that the Russians meddled in the election, I could see how you could take this stance. I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable. I think it also betrays that perhaps that Shep's too busy or isn't exactly doing a lot of reading because we have yet to see any proof that there was any connection between Podesta's phishing hack and the Russians. The only proof is the private – Companies that were hired by the DNC. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, put that in quotation marks. That then released their reports that say, well, they used Russian keyboards and they worked Russian business hours. And IPs, yeah. IPs that go back to Ukraine. And we all know that elite hackers work business hours, so that makes sense. And we all know that elite hackers don't know how to hide their IP address, so that makes sense. So that's our proof. That's our proof. And there's no actual any there's no evidence. There's none. There's nothing that's been released other than those analysis. The FBI wasn't allowed to view the DNC servers. The FBI has been able to do their own forensics on the DNC servers to investigate the hacks. So we don't have any proof. We don't have any proof. So if I was Shep, I wouldn't be so comfortable being so solid in my convictions that the Russians meddled in the election. But maybe maybe he was applying for a job at CNN. (laughs) Because because here's here's Tapper's take on the on the uh, it was. A wild press conference, uh, and I think that, uh, first of all, purportedly, the purpose of it was to introduce his new Secretary right. of Labor nominee, Alexander Acosta. He talked about Jim Acosta more than he talked about Alexander Acosta. He talked about Hillary Clinton more than he talked about Alexander Acosta. He spent the first part of his uh, remarks talking about accomplishments that he thought the media, the fake media, whatever he wants to call us, we're not paying enough attention to. They're really hating this. In fact, Lemon ended a segment this week when somebody started using the fake fake news. But then in- they're getting really focusing pissed on these accomplishments and offering an optimistic, positive view uh, of what he's doing for this country. 
it was an airing of grievances. It was festivus. It was complaints about the media. Uh, at one point, he said the leaks were real, but the news is fake, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He said things that were not true. Uh, Peter Alexander from NBC pointed out one of them. It does. If you, if you understand how Trump speaks elliptically, we've covered this before in the show, it makes sense. It's fake. The controversy is manufactured. The leaks are real. The controversy from the leaks is manufactured. Now, why do I claim that's manufactured? Because an intelligence agency official broke the law and contacted media individuals directly and provided them specific information to damage another political official. See, that's different. That's different yeah, than Snowden's leaks. Yeah. That's an intentional political attack. And so the, the drama that was then manufactured by this illegal information that the media was given is the part that is the fake news. And if we knew the transcripts, if we knew what was said, we'd know if this was really a controversy or not. Right, true. But instead, we just have to go on the reliable and trust and trustworthiness of the media who supposedly been able to review these secret calls, supposedly. Right. We don't even know if that's the case. We don't actually even know if they've been shown the transcripts. Nobody's <laughs> actually made that claim. And we don't even know, right. BC pointed out one of them when he said he had the biggest electoral victory win since Ronald Reagan. That's not true. Clinton, Clinton, Obama, Obama, George H.W. Bush, all were bigger. But um, mo moving on, moving on to that. He, he really is going to bury himself with this because this diarrhea of the mouth is going to be his is going to be his Achilles heel because he just says shit. He just says shit. Well, it's not just what he says. It's also what he tweets. Somebody it's... tells him something or he watches something on TV. Well, yeah, and it he, sticks. like he'll 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 he's like the whole Sweden thing. You know, he watched Fox News. Right. They talked about Sweden and uh, their refugee program. And yep. then the next day he comes out and yep. says something that's completely wrong. So I disagree with that. But we'll cover that in the overtime. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's completely wrong at all. Um I think it depends on what's completely wrong See, this for is, him. This to... comes back to your honest journalism again. No, you're, but, you're, but... Hold on. Your honest journalists are quoting statistics from the U.S. State Department. That's bullshit. Why are we getting crime statistics from the U.S. State Department about Sweden? If you go to Sweden and get the bra statistics, it's a totally different set of numbers. Right. So that's that's what. Anyways, I'll but, say for the but, overtime. But, but he was specifically saying that there was attack in Sweden yeah. that day before. Something like, yeah, like last night in Sweden right, or something like right. that. Yeah. I, this is, That's what I'm you're right. referring that to. Point, that point I agree. He just runs his mouth. He hears something and he just runs his mouth. Right. I agree. I think the situation in Sweden is worse than it's being reported on. But the way – like you know, if he would have waited one night, well, if he would have waited one day, there would have been an attack. Or, or, or he could have picked up the phone, talked to his – peoples or whoever and get some information yeah. but instead the the danger here is he's this getting he's yes. getting information directly from the mainstream media yeah. instead of getting better sources he can be manipulated by these bastards absolutely one of the most powerful men in the world can be manipulated by these dumb shits that are being led around by the nose by the intelligence agency right so it, it yeah. is it is extremely dangerous yes and of course it, he's supposedly selecting certain media outlets but from what i can from what i can suss out he gets his news from fox and from alex and, jones and What's dangerous here with that is, you know, we, we we pay attention to all the media. Here we have a clip from CNN. We had one from Fox earlier, one from earlier from Russia Today. Right. We don't really discriminate. We try to get as much resources as we can possible to tell the story. The only discrimination I might make is production quality. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. 
But what Trump is doing is he's only going after media sources that he seems to just disagree with blatantly. And he will only follow the ones that he agrees with. And that's very dangerous. It's not an open mind. It's not trying to gather information from multiple sources. Yes. It's just to fit exactly. his narrative. And it's, that's it, the dangerous it's, part. It's anything that fits his narrative. He runs with it. And that is extremely reckless. Yes. And it could lead to him making some very bad decisions. It yes. could put us in great danger. Absolutely. This is my problem with Trump. This is the bigger picture issue that we're not really talking about. And I like this press conference where they're all freaking the F out about his press conference. I don't understand why anyone is surprised. You you wanted Trump. This is Trump. Brett, I mean, wow. Yeah, wow. That was the first word you said when the press yeah. conference was over. I think that's what a lot of people said. Listen, love him or hate him. This is why people looked at Donald Trump as a candidate and said, this is different. This is somehow refreshing. This is breaking the mold. This is uh, not political correctness. You know, I covered the Pentagon and Defense Secretary Don Rumsfeld used to hold these afternoon press conferences and he'd spar with the press. Um, and it was must see TV back then. This was a different level. This was mesmerizing in one sense. There will be people who say it's unhinged and who say, you know, and whose heads are going to explode about some things that he right. said. But there is a lot of substance in what he said. And this is Trump being Trump. This is someone said to him, go back to the campaign trail when you were best and be yourself mm. uh, after probably uh, some press secretaries and, and other spokespeople having uh, a tough couple of weeks, he came out and took the bull by the horns and did it uh, his way. You know, I, 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 couldn't have, I couldn't have hoped for anything more from a Trump conference. <laughs> I feel like we get so, because it's so unstructured, it's so unscripted, it's so loose, and he is so freewheeling with what he says, I feel like we get more insight into the working mind I of was, this man. I was just going to say that. Yeah. We get more information about what he's thinking, really. Uh, even on accident. Gonna, yeah, yeah. On and, accident, right? In some ways, that is extremely valuable. And so yes. when, the, when the American people say, this is what we wanted from Trump, I think that's what they wanted is he's honest in a sense because he can't help himself in some ways. Right. And, and when you combine that with a combative press, you get some really great information. And- you know, I like that fact. I played that guy fact checking him on the electoral stats right there because that's what we should be seeing all the time. Right. He's, they've they they are going to have to challenge him on, on this. And stuff. good on NBC for standing up there and said, "Oh yeah, by the way, the information you just gave." Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you hear about this former CIA guy? The, CNN was quick to get him on the air because he he quit. I quit the CIA and I blame Donald Trump. Joining us now, Ned Price. He's a former National Security Council spokesman, a longtime CIA analyst uh, who just resigned from the CIA with a very public blast at the Trump administration. Ned, thanks very much for joining us. So get right so, on here. Get him on here. He's got a public blast. Get him on here. Why quit now and why quit so publicly? Well, Wolf, let me describe to you what I saw over the course of many months. I saw a Republican nominee during a primetime debate just casually doubt the high-confidence assessment of all of our 17 intelligence agencies. I saw a president-elect. Let's stop right there. I am the most fabulous whiner. I that's, that's, that's fake news. It was not 17 intelligence agencies. When we actually got the declassified report, it was three. 
It was three agencies that were willing to put their names on the line. And if I recall, the third agency, the NSA, wasn't even willing to say it was a high confidence. It was two agencies that said high confidence, and the and the FBI had to be dragged. It took them weeks to sign off on it. They had to drag Comey to do it, get him to do it. The NSA wouldn't even say it was a high confidence, and the DHS, which is a bullshit cyber investigation agency, is the only one that was first up to say, yeah, it's legit. This is legit. We'll give it a high confidence. The DHS. So that is that is three. It is not 17. We've linked the report in the show notes several times. We've reviewed it on air. It's three agencies, not 17. So this guy is already lying to us. Confidence assessment of all of our 17 intelligence agencies. I saw a president-elect compare our intelligence community to Nazis. I heard him accuse the intelligence community of leaking. And then I saw... <laughs> oh, accuse them of leaking. Accuse <laughs> them of leaking. Like they haven't been leaking to the media right, for yeah, months. Yeah, exactly. A president, President Trump, on his first full day yeah. in office, traveled to Langley, Virginia, presumably to uh, attempt to repair relations with the CIA. Standing before the most solemn memorial uh, in Langley, Virginia. These are all talking points. Check, 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 check. So this is... I. I find this 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 assault by the CIA to be so obvious. They are so anti-Trump. It's amazing to see them do this. It, it is we are watching the deep state react to the candidate they didn't want getting elected inside the Beltway. Yep. It, I, this is an amazing event we're watching. President Trump's new national security advisor is a soldier and a scholar. The president congratulated General H.R. McMaster on Twitter. He is director of a military think tank, the Army Capabilities Integration Center. The president chose McMaster after spending the weekend interviewing candidates for the job. The acting national security advisor will become McMaster's chief of staff. Major Garrett's at the White House with details of the replacement for General Michael Flynn. We've already talked about it. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. He's a real professional. Real professional. Real good guy. Real good guy. So, uh, interesting week. (laughs) Right? Interesting couple of weeks. Hell of a couple of weeks, really. And I don't even know where it's going from now. This first couple of uh, months is going to be just insane. You know, I I think about this and I'm just, you know, I just... Is it sustainable, you almost wondered? Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, and it's only been the first month. I, I, I just... Only thing I ask is, you know, President Trump, please... Please don't blow up the earth. Just, just. I, I wonder as the butt <laughs> as we distance ourselves from the the butt ramming that the Democrats got, but they're still super upset about. Yeah, uh, boy, you should stay tuned for the overtime. I got some great clips coming up from Nancy Pelosi. Um, <laughs> you know, you just you got to figure that as we get further away from that loss, right. maybe some of the emotional vitriol will calm down. I don't know. I would really, what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus more on, on like the real stuff. Right. And I think as, as we get further down the road, there'll be more actions and less worries about possible actions. But whew, it has been a, the Russia, Russia, Russia thing has just not let up. No, and it's going to be something that uh, we will unfortunately or fortunately keep an eye on for a while. Ooh, let's distract ourselves. You want to end it up all on a high note, Mr. Chase? Well, how about before that oh. high note? Before I, I want to say a big thank you to all of our patrons over there oh! at patreon.com slash unfilter and all the members of Club of course. 30. I forgot about our, our new Club 33 position in the show. That's right, buddy. That's right. So we're doing this towards the end of the show now because, you know, we don't want to be spoilers. So, you know, we, I missed you guys last week. Club 33. We got a couple of comments. Uh, one coming in from Tom. He says, hey, welcome back, Chris and Chase. Recently, the mainstream media unleashed a number 
of highly coordinated hit pieces. They appear to be targeting anyone who threatens their power and narrative. Their highest profile targets have included PewDiePie, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, and General Flynn. We talked about General Flynn. What hmm. are you guys' thoughts so, on the situation? Well, Any on, conspiracy on. bacon for wait, who is next or what's is, going on? Wait, behind is the scenes? his bacon, is his, is his thesis that, I have seen this going around on the internet, that that the takedown of Milo, PewDiePie, and Flynn are all related? I don't think they're connected. I mean, I, I, was, I don't think so. No, I mean. I think my, we're all just living in a, I think we're living in a very hypersensitive period right now. What really got Milo in trouble uh, was, was Milo. His, <laughs> was Milo, yeah. I mean, and it was comments that he made a year ago. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it, that. It did feel like there was, a, there was an immediate focusing on him as a character right. and, his, and, his, and his flaws. Like we all of a sudden, all the spot. In fact, I chose not to put it in the show just simply because it felt like character assassination. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're all connected. I, I mean, think PewDiePie's- PewDiePie was PewDiePie is a great example of uh, of where I feel like corporate media again at the higher levels. That's true. They go out. They do not. You just if you work in independent media at all, you discover that mainstream media hates you and you are a threat. <laughs> and PewDiePie is the biggest number one personification yeah, of that. Yeah. He is the largest on YouTube, what, like 55 million it's subscribers. It's a crazy number. That's nuts. Yeah. And he's legitimately competing with the mainstream media at those numbers, yes. and they hate him. The Wall Street Journal has been going after PewDiePie since 2012. It is it is nothing new. And so uh, PewDiePie made some super poor choices with uh, with the content he decided to yes. put in his videos, yeah. and he, he just basically gave the Wall Street Journal a gift to be able to take that stuff out of context. Now, now, and, and Google uh, slapped him on it a, a bit. Yeah, they canceled his Red his, Series. Well, yeah the, yeah, the Red Series, but... He's, and the Maker Studios pulled their uh, yeah their deal. But So he definitely... But he's not going to be leaving YouTube anytime soon, and they don't want him leaving YouTube anytime soon. That's not going to happen. But no, great, great question there, Tom. Uh, finally, Tech Dragon writes in and says, Hey, I've been a Club 33 member from the moment it was launched. Nice. And in these increasingly partisan times, I'd like to remind everyone... That the current disaster of broken partisan Democrat versus Republican political crapshoot with no middle ground in sight was actually predicted by George Washington. The advice is as pertinent today as it was in his day. Uh, he did give us a quote, and he wanted us to read this this quote. It's really long. Oh, should we we could put it in the show notes. Yes, we will put it in the show notes. It's I wonder, actually I gotta uh, get that. It's a wiki source to Washington's farewell address, and it's a few verses here yeah. that, that talks about it. And it's something that you guys should definitely read, uh, and we'll put a link. What is the name of it? So people, if they're it's uh, Washington's farewell address, okay, and it's uh, verses twenty through twenty-five. All right, yes, I will read that. If you guys have uh, something that you want to share on the show, and you're in Club Thirty Three, I send out a push alert on Patreon every Wednesday morning, so you guys can get your notes into the show. How? And if you want to be become a patron today, head over to Patreon.com/slash/unfiltered. Yeah, because yeah, not only would you get last week's, um, but you'd also get show, the, yeah. you get the previous. Exclusives like we've done them on holidays and New Year's and stuff like that. Oh, it's that. good fun. Yes. So there's a real danger to cannabis coming into the country, and it's one I don't think we've ever talked about. Oh? We, we've debunked the AAA's stats that say that uh, states – this is still, as of this week, this AAA study that we debunked on the show months and months and months and months ago yeah. is still getting quoted by people with an agenda That's saying still... – And it's just – I want to mention it again because you guys are going to hear this. The AAA report that is being sourced – People are taking that data and saying the states that have legalized cannabis are seeing a dramatic, quote unquote, dramatic increase 
in accidents involving right. but we THC. never get stats we never get actual numbers if you if you go in there it's i think and this is my rough memory i think after i did some reading i found the reports i found the original study it is an increase from 8% to 15% of accidents went from 8 you know, that involved THC so for 8% of accidents to now 15% of accidents involve THC okay that's the dramatic increase but there's a huge caveat that you might remember and that huge caveat was a Majority percentage of those acts of those accidents, alcohol was also involved. They do not when now when people are when quoting this study as an example of the downside to legalizing cannabis because this is the only thing they can point to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a great great back and forth. It was very very loud. But the Joe Rogan podcast uh, broke down uh, this this too recently. You get you have to go find it on on YouTube, but. Uh, if you want to hear more about that particular that whole that whole right, discussion uh, yeah, about how right. how it gets sourced and all that, but I, we've linked to the report in the past too. And this is often this often gets cited as the big downside to legalizing cannabis right, yeah. is these increased accidents. Um, I don't really I don't buy it because I think because alcohol was involved so many times, I think what's likely is those were probably people that regularly smoke on a regular basis, so they had THC in their system and they drank. And I actually think people who smoke pot a lot and don't drink very often are the worst drunks because they forget how intoxicating alcohol is because they get used to cannabis, which is not – does not F you up the way alcohol does. And then they, they're going out. They go out somewhere or something stupid and they have a couple of drinks and they're, and they're used to something in their system like the strength of pot and instead something the strength of alcohol hits their system. And I think they make really poor decisions because they get slammed. Oh, yeah. I think people – I think so. I think it's – I think this actually could be a problem, just not the way they're reporting it. Right. Anyways, but this is um, – here, thankfully, Trent Franks has a much more clear and present danger with marijuana. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I haven't changed my mind about being fiscally conservative. And by the way, this comes out when she asks him a question about the cost of Trump's wall. And I appreciate the assumption. It turns out this time it was correct. Uh, but the, the reality, Brianna, is that we have to measure all of the, the costs, uh, ancillary and otherwise, and make the best decision that we can. But I can su- suggest to you that uh, uh, there are national security implications here uh, for a porous border. You know, we sometimes used to make the point that, you know, if someone wanted to smuggle in a dangerous weapon, even a nuclear weapon, into America, how would they do it? And the suggestion was made, well, we'll simply hide it in a bale of, mar- a bale of marijuana. Nukes in a bale of marijuana, Chase. Think that, oh my you know, God. if someone wanted to smuggle in a dangerous weapon, even a nuclear weapon, into America, how would they do it? A bale. And the suggestion was made, well, well we'll simply hide it in a bale of, mar- well, a bale well, of marijuana. Trent, Trent, uh, Trent uh, this, is, this is Chase here. Let me, let me talk to you for a minute. Uh, Trent, here's, a bale. The, here's the thing. I love it. All you got to do, Trent, is just legalize it in the United States. And then you wouldn't have to worry about the bales of marijuana with nukes in them yeah. coming into the country. By the way, ironically, he wow. sits on the House Freedom Caucus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's that's a big concern. So nice. I guess, you know, if we can't point to the AAA report, yeah. we, could always repoint, we could always point to the nukes and bales of marijuana. With nukes inside. Yeah. Is that like a Kinder Egg? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Trojan. You need any more proof that weed has gone fully mainstream? Just get a load of this, a pong load. <laughs> there is now a bipartisan 
Cannabis Caucus on Capitol Hill. There we go. So far, it only has four members. And they're all from states where pot is legal. And, of course, you've got to start somewhere. The Republican congressmen are Dana Rohrbacher from California and Don Young from Alaska. The Dems, Earl Blumenauer from That seems what? What? Well, you where's Washington here? I, I, where's the representation? We are the worst when it comes to this stuff. We're making head over fists, head over heels, whatever the term is, money. Yeah. But we could never be, we can never market position ourselves cr- no. appropriately. We no. could be making so much more money. I know. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. So this seems like pr- probably not a bad way to go, right? Like a, yeah. get like an interest group in D.C. to help pull the strings. This is how you do things, right? What do you <sighs> think of that? What? Well, I was reading uh, er- earlier today on Reddit that, <laughs> oh, oh. that uh, I think we'll have something for next week's show because I think there's something been introduced to basically leave it to the states when it, in regards to marijuana mm. and, and changing the Controlled Substances Act. And I think we're going to be hearing something more about that this week. Really? I think I'll keep so. an ear to the ground, Chase, yes. because that would definitely fit into the high note. If you see a story like that, please do feel free to submit it to our subreddit. Where do they find that, Mr. Chase? They head over to unfilter.reddit.com. There you can engage in the conversation, submit stories. Now, we know there's a lot of you guys that love to submit a lot of stories, but what I would love to see is conversation. I love oh, it when uh, the community gets back breakdown, and forth and, and talking about it because that's really where Reddit gets its treasure. So unfilter.reddit.com. It's a very happy and welcoming community. Most of the time. Most of the time. And you can help make it that way. That's true. The other way to engage with us directly would be the tweeters. That's you can right. follow me on the tweeters. I'm at Chris L-A-S and the network is at Jupiter Signal. What about you, Mr. Chase? People can follow me at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S, and also my little network called Geek Gamer TV at Geek Gamer TV. Check it out. Yes. Now, the Unfilter Show is live. We have that chat room who's sometimes giving us uh, nice feedback and tips or telling us that uh, we're crazy. Either way, it's a full <laughs> spectrum in there. That's right. And you can take part in that spectrum over at jblive.tv. Find us live on Wednesdays, most weeks, and you can always get it localized to your time zone, at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash They're like contact. the hive mind. They or keep calendar. us in check. They let us know what's going on. Yeah, we got the calendar page. We got the contact page. That's another great way. And then we got the Patreon, which we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash unfilter. We got special levels there you can kick in at where we give you access to all of our clips. Everything right. we talked about, everything we played, and a lot more, a lot more clips in that supporter sync. A lot of bonuses in that Patreon, too. And something I didn't mention all episode, which I don't even know because it's almost like a tick. Our show notes. Oh, yeah. Links to a lot of the stuff we say or just offhandedly mention in the show or or uh, written articles to back up some of the video. All the links to show played. notes, too, are also on JupiterBroadcasting.com you got on it, buddy. the Unfilter page, you got which it, is buddy. a great plethora totes, of information. Totes, totes, yes. my goats. Yes. So check it all out over there. Stick around for the overtime coming up. And overtime. if you're heading out right now, then we must say adieu. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you right back here next, next week. Some might say it's just beginning. It's overtime time. It's time for overtime. Brought to you by Patreon.com.
Slash our filter! It's dedicated to you guys. We got more stuff to get into, more news to talk about, more shenanigans to feature, and of course, oh Nancy. things off by thanking our new patrons that signed up since our last episode. Adam, John, Edward, Jeremy, Christian, Jua, Aaron, Kristen, Ryan, Lane, Drew, Tristan, Thomas, Arjo, Ryan, Arjan, John, Cubicle Nate, Dirt, and William P. Oh! Thank you for supporting us. Get over to patreon.com slash unfilter and go check out last week's patron exclusive episode. Where we really dig into the leaks that the intelligence agency has been putting out there. Go after Trump. It's all broken down in that episode and it's just for our supporters. In fact, once you sign up, you get access to all of the past supporter show we usually just do a couple of them a year just maybe maybe more than a couple we do a handful we do a handful a year of the supporter shows and you get access to all of them once you sign up at patreon.com slash unfilter so i've been i've been really enjoying a new segment here in overtime to sort of loosen us up to kick things off it's the it's the oh nancy segment now uh i've been expanding oh nancy to also include maxine waters I realize her name is not Nancy. I get that. But her, Maxine, and Nancy are essentially two peas in one very confused pod. And so where one goes, the other is usually close behind. So let's start off, though, with Maxine, who went on an unhinged triad against the Trump team, ending by calling them a bunch of scumbags. But that wasn't actually my favorite part. The, the fact that uh, four different people connected to the campaign had spoken to Russian senior intelligence officials. Do you believe that when Reince Priebus says that? Well, let me just say this. Mike Priebus uh, has... Mike? Did she say Mike? <laughs> okay. Well, let me just say this. Mike Priebus... She did say Mike. <laughs> His name is Rance, darling. Uh, ...has been trying to clean up for Donald Trump for far too long. Uh, he's the one that stuck with him all during the campaign uh, when he was making outrageous statements, uh, when he was basically lying. And so his time is going to run out. He can't continue uh, to try to defend this president. It's actually not true in a sense. Rance at one point was sort of behind the anybody but Trump, sort of secretly behind the scenes. For a long time, Rance tried to work against Trump. And then it wasn't towards the end when it looked like it was a lock that Trump was going to win that Rance like, all right, well, if this is going to be our guy, I got to make sure he follows establishment policies. Who is entangled with this criminal. Now you see, hold on. Now she's about to drop a, a, a nice deuce for, I mean, a meme for you. Uh, <laughs> and she had, watch how uh, Maxine here looks down at her notes before she drops a good one. You see right there? That's good old Maxine reading note cards. She's got note cards in her lap. This is not off the top of her head. Is entangled with this Kremlin clan of his. Oh, the Kremlin clan. The Kremlin clan. That's good. With this Kremlin clan of his while they are all seeking 
really Woo. to get rid of these sanctions yeah. uh, that are, you know, placed on Russia uh, because all of them are connected <laughs> to the oil and gas yeah, industry. Right. Just take oil. a look at this. Take a look at. Uh, now she's just going full on notes. She's got the glasses on. She's like looking down. You can even hear her moving the paper. She's full on. Just I'm all about the notes. Take a look at, uh, of course, Michael Flynn, long history of ties to the Russian government, including a paid speech at a party for RT. Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager, paid lobbyist for Viktor Yanukovych, the pro-Russian uh, politician in Ukraine. This is McCarthyism all over again, isn't it? I mean, here it is again. Look at this. You just have any connections to Russia at all and you're, you're guilty. There's no process. There's no analysis. There's no investigations. You talk to a Russian if they have any connection to the government, which if they're any Russian of influence, they would because of the way the government's structured there. You're immediately guilty. Who fled to Russia in 2014. Right. Carter Page, one of Trump's foreign policy advisors during his campaign, frequent guests on Russian state media, held the personal stake in Russian oil and gas interests. Roger Stone, who's worked in the Ukraine. Wilbur Ross. Do you hear the, do you hear, uh, the guy in the background? And Chris, he's, he's starting to just kind of laugh at her a little bit. Interest. Roger Stone, who's worked in the Ukraine. Wilbur Ross, Trump's nominee for Secretary of Commerce, was a business partner of Viktor Veselkoberg, a Russian oligarch and Putin ally in a major financial project involving so, the Bank of Cyprus and, of course, Secretary of State Rick uh, Tillerson, who was the one who negotiated <laughs> back, the multi-billion dollar drilling contract That's with right. Putin, Putin. Uh, where they were going to drill in the Arctic, and it has been stopped uh, because of the sanctions that were placed on by Obama. And I want to tell you, I believe that Tillerson's still having. Um, real job is to get in here and get those sanctions lifted. Woo. But all of them want them lifted because this Klan, Klan. this Kremlin Klan, Kremlin Klan, is all about getting the oil and gas. Even though she had just said it, she had to look down at the notes again. Money and doing the drilling, and they need this president. She doesn't even stop there. She goes on, she goes on to slam them for all kinds of things. She slams them for... Uh, uh, being a, just a, a group of dishonest, uh, uh, um, she kind of implies uh, gangsters, mobsters. <laughs> ah, ah. Ooh, she's fired up, guys. She's fired up. Uh, and then she's got one more. There's a, there's strong claims, and she's got claims that there's strong ties between. Trump you and have Ukraine. gone all the way there, talking and using the I word with Donald Trump uh, about impeachment. Um, yes. Do you stand by that? And what would he be impeached for, in your view? Well, yes, I have led in talking about. The first month into his presidency, the first month, first month into his presidency. And some people say, well, it's too early for that. It's never too early if you understand how dangerous this man really is. I do believe that there is a connection between the Ukraine uh, and Donald Trump and, of course, Russia. What? I think that it was Obama's administration and State Department that toppled over their government, or at least assisted with that. That's a, that's an incredible statement to make. Uh, he colluded. Uh, he colluded with Putin with the uh, Putin. The <laughs> connection between the Ukraine uh-huh. uh, and Donald Trump and, of course, Russia. Yeah. I think that yeah. uh, he colluded uh-huh. uh, with Putin uh, during the election and that hacking and everything that took place. I think that it's there. We just have to dig deeper, do the investigation, and find it. All right, I there you give, go. Uh, Strongly sourced and uh, very credible claims by uh, Maxine Waters. 
Uh, and Nancy Pelosi now takes the microphone. Well, sort of. Nancy Pelosi has microphone problems again. Chairman Brady, as chairman of the Ways and Means Committee and chairman of the Joint Committee on Taxation, is empowered to demand President Trump's tax returns from the Secretary of the Treasury. All he has to do is ask and hold a committee vote to make those tax returns public. We're calling on, thank you, we're calling on the... Um, Somebody walks up and one of her assistants or aides or something adjust the microphone for her. Do we start all over? Mr. President, do you want me to start all over? What do the Russians have on you, politically, financially, or personally? What? This is... That the the process is the chairman. Of, imagine that the the privilege only goes to the chairman to make the request, but then the committee can vote to make the, uh, the tax returns public. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> and then this is my favorite moment. Nancy Pelosi goes to the stage. She's talking about the truth, which she's fired up. She's passionate about why they're taking this fight, why they're hashtag fighting for all. She is the crusader of the truth, except for she momentarily forgets what the truth is, which seems a little odd if you're all fired up about the truth. They said they can't be caught up in what is it, rummaging. This isn't rummaging. This is truth <laughs> yes, it is. and consequences. Oh. Uh, the truth what? We, what? What is it, Nancy? The truth is what, Nancy? Is we, <laughs> the truth? I'm all fired up. That's we're doing this. Uh, the truth is, we, we the American people have a right to know the <laughs> truth. We see the consequences that can be dangerous <laughs> to our national security. Oh, Nancy, you're a little dangerous, I think, and I worry about your national security. Ah, but that did get me all ready for the overtime. That felt good. Fired up. Ready to go. Speaking of fighting for you, the media is fighting for you. And this week... They took to the airwaves to tell you about it. But no shortage of outrage over the president's statements on the press. But I'd like to close with a little perspective. There is nothing new about a president of the United States criticizing or even vilifying the press. Even Thomas Jefferson, the same Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence and who 10 years after that wrote, our liberty depends on freedom of the press. Even Thomas Jefferson when he was a few years into his own presidency, was so upset with what was being written about his administration that he flatly declared, nothing can now be believed that is seen in a newspaper. So this is ABC's John Carl. Now, John Carl is the guy who uh, is in the White House press pool asking questions to Spicy Sean or to Trump. He's the guy that often gets looked over. He's also one of these individuals who thinks he's the biggest dog in the room. And he thinks he's like one of the best reporters. He just he's all in, but he doesn't get a good platform. So finally, this weekend, he got to play substitute teacher. So he's filling in on a big boy TV show. One of the one of the Sunday shows this week with with George. 
But George had to take the weekend off to go uh, help out the Clinton Foundation. So here we have John Carl sitting in, and he's going to take his time that he finally gets on this week with George Stephanopoulos. He's going to take his time to tell it like it is and tell that the American people depend on a free press for their democracy. Teddy Roosevelt, who now is next to Jefferson on Mount Rushmore, once wrote to announce there must be no criticism of the president or that we are to stand with the president right or wrong is not only unpatriotic and servile, but is morally treasonable to the American public. I couldn't agree more. But I also know that T.R. wrote that nearly a decade after he left office when he was still in the White House. He coined the term muckrakers to denounce investigative journalists who he felt were so obsessed with the negative that they were missing the good in the world, including the good he was doing as president. Such negativity in the press, Roosevelt said, is one of the most potent forms of evil. And that brings me to President Donald Trump, who has taken presidential criticism of the news media to yet another level. In a way, it surprised me that Donald Trump I knew as a young reporter in New York was nothing if not media friendly. (laughs) And for most of the past Republican primary, he was the most accessible major candidate. No one else was even close. At Thursday's press conference, we saw flashes of that. 17 reporters called on, many that he knew would ask tough questions. But now the president has declared the press the enemy of the American people. I've reported in countries where leaders not only complain about a critical press, but also try to shut it down. I actually think that uh, in some regards, Trump is right. Uh, I'm all for a combative press and a press that doesn't take any word of the government at face value. Of course, this same press that is speaking right now is more than happy to take anything the intelligence agencies say at face value. But apparently when it comes from one part of the government, that's okay. And when it comes from another part of the government, that's not okay. What I would like is a combative investigative press that is consistently combative, consistently investigative. I would like a press that disseminates information to the people, not stories, not stories that tell you about somebody's plight. I don't want that anymore. I don't want drama. I want news. I want facts. You are an enemy to the people. You are a big reason why we've gotten this far, why they have been enabled, they being the government, have been enabled to do all of the crazy-ass things they do that now have put us in this position. Where's the watchdog been? Especially these last eight years. Where's the watchdog? And now all of a sudden, uh, John is all of a sudden a watchdog again? That shit bothers me so much. Just really, I just can't get over it throwing reporters in prison or worse obama would have done that too obama cracked down on obama did throw journalists in jail when he first got into office i've seen my colleagues risk their lives and with increasing frequency lose their lives in the pursuit of the truth we are not about to stop doing our jobs because yet another president is unhappy with what he reads or hears or sees on TV news. There is a reason the founders put freedom of the press in the very first amendment to the Constitution. As long as American democracy remains healthy, there will be reporters willing to pursue the truth, yeah. even if that means incurring the wrath of the most powerful person in the world. Oh, you're so brave. A free press isn't the enemy of America. It's a big part of what makes America great. Now, I give him credit for using Trump's old slogan, but let's be honest. This man and everybody at this level of television are actors. They're not reporters. Now, he gets close. He goes and sits in that White House and asks the questions that he knows his corporate bosses want him to ask, and he gets a big paycheck for it. 
And he's not risking his life. He has the protection of ABC Corporation lawyers. Give me a break. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. But that was, uh, that was his big statement. That was his big statement. You take it as it is. I like this one. Uh, this is uh, Jake Tapper getting all fired up. The president today attacked the story of high-level campaign advisors having frequent communications with Russians known to U.S. intelligence. Those advisors, of course, include Michael Flynn, whom President Trump fired as his national security advisor on Monday night after Flynn was shown to have lied to the public and to the vice president about the contents of his phone call with the Russian ambassador in December. <laughs> The issue, pure and simple, came down to a matter of trust. And the president concluded that he no longer had the trust of his national security advisor. That was White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer on Tuesday. But today, President Trump gave a quite different explanation. Michael Flynn, General Flynn, is a wonderful man. I think he's been treated very, very unfairly by the media. Um, As I call it, the fake media in many cases. The media, of course, did not fire General Flynn. President Trump did. Now, what the media did do was reveal to the nation that General Flynn had lied to the country and to the Trump team, including Vice President Pence, when he claimed he never discussed Obama's sanctions on Russia with the Russian ambassador. President Trump knew this at least as early as January 26, but he did not act on this until the media revealed the truth to you and, as it turns out, to Vice President Pence, who learned about it through the media, sources say. The president reacted to this all on Twitter today. Quote, the fake news media is going crazy with their conspiracy theories and blind hatred. MSNBC and CNN are unwatchable. Fox and Friends is great. Of course, these stories in The New York Times, The Washington Post, CNN and elsewhere are not conspiracy theories. These are news stories sourced by government officials. Conspiracy theories are different. They're, They're false. They're crackpot. They're nonsense. How do I illustrate what a conspiracy theory is? Uh, How about this one about Ted Cruz's father? (laughs) His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. Look at Jake doing a bit here. He's doing a Daily Show bit. Look at this. Jake doing a bit, guys. What is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. That's a conspiracy theory. Or how about uh, this one about President Obama? I wish he would, because... If he doesn't, it's one of the greatest scams in the history of politics and in the history period. You are not allowed to be a president if you're not born in this country. Those are conspiracy theories. These are are facts, as established by former and current national security and intelligence officials, as President Trump almost seemed to simultaneously acknowledge today. From intelligence, uh, papers are being leaked, things are being leaked. I really hate all of this so much. I hate that we're calling stuff that is never sourced, things that are never definitely presented. We're not seeing these leaks. We're not seeing these papers like we did in past leaks and Snowden leaks and WikiLeaks. We see the materials. We can review it ourselves. These are just vague references. The media says, well, trust us, we've been told by intelligence officials and they're legitimate intelligence officials. They even work in the agencies. And they say the papers are very explosive. And this is now our form of proof. This is now our trusted sources. These are now our facts, as Jake likes to call them. Former and current national security and intelligence officials, as President Trump almost seemed to simultaneously acknowledge today. From intelligence, uh, papers are being leaked, things are being leaked. 
It's criminal action, criminal act. Now, no president likes leaks, especially ones that reflect poorly on his administration. But it's worth noting, candidate Trump's path to power was tread on a road of leaks, leaks against Hillary Clinton. Some came from WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. The wonder of WikiLeaks. 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 Some new stuff in WikiLeaks. And many of the ones about Hillary Clinton's private email server, those leaks came from the FBI. Right before Election Day, in fact, Fox News reported and then had to retract a report based on erroneous leaks that the FBI investigation into the Clinton Foundation was going to likely lead to indictments almost immediately. Now, retraction notwithstanding, candidate Trump, well, he had at it. The FBI agents say their investigation is likely to yield an indictment. He didn't have a problem with leaks then. It's worth pointing out. It's not a moral position if you only hold it when it applies to you. Oh, oh, I think uh, I wonder if I wonder if we consider it to be a difference. So uh, let's take the leaks that uh, the WikiLeaks, the Hillary Clinton and the Podesta emails. Those are leaked and they're sort of dropped. Right. That's just a big data drop. Sometimes it's dropped in chunks. That's how WikiLeaks did it. In fact, the Snowden leaks kind of came out in chunks too. Um, the difference there seems to me, in the case of the Snowden leaks, it was the actual source material supplied to multiple media agencies and newspapers and whatnot, like the Guardian and the New York Times, or WikiLeaks, where anybody can get them. But these leaks from the intelligence agencies are specifically from the intelligence person, individual, or multiple individuals, directly to a media source, an individual media source, like, say, Barbara Starr or Josh Costello or whatever, you know, whoever it is. I don't think it's Jake Tapper, but you get my point. It's, it's, it's different in that sense, and it's intentionally done to undermine the elected president <clears throat> which would appear to be a position of at least some in the intelligence agencies. This seems like a big difference. Like it's not an uh, this is not an apples to apples comparison. The email leaks are done as a data dump on WikiLeaks available to the general public and any media that wants to go through it. These leaks about say Flynn are very targeted about a specific high-level administration official to a specific one or two media outlet individuals. I don't think these are comparable events. So I disagree with some of Jake's argument to begin with. It's different for Trump is while he is while he did clearly benefit from leaks. You could also say that just truth and justice in a sense benefited from these leaks. I'm not sure that there's any justice being served or truth being served by outing the fact that one of our national security people was having conversations with the Russian ambassador, it literally would be something Trump would have him do once he was on the job. So I I feel like there is not quite an equivalency, although I still feel like we should know if he lied. If he did truly lie to Pence and he did lie to the people, well, we should know that. The leaks weren't serving that purpose. The leaks were serving a political assassination purpose. And I think that's what's key about it. 
I want to talk a little more about this whole Sweden thing. Uh, you guys probably heard plenty of this. Here's a little story, a little bit of a story that'll kind of recap some of it. in Sweden are investigating a riot that broke out overnight in a predominantly immigrant suburb of Stockholm. The clashes started when a police officer arrested a drug suspect and people began throwing stones. One officer fired his gun, but no one was hit. A police spokesman says some civilians who tried to stop looters were assaulted themselves. Over the weekend, you remember President Trump was criticized for referencing an interview on Fox News that cited crime significantly increasing in the wake of Muslim immigration problems in Sweden. Yeah, let's go more into that Sweden story here. That kind of gives you some more information. So Tucker Carlson, uh, he's put down the bow tie, apparently more blood's flowing to his brain, and he's getting more and more interesting guests. You probably heard of Ami Horowitz here. He's the director of a Sweden and refugee document documentary movie that uh, you can find out there. I was going to try to find a link for you, but I didn't get a chance. And he was asked by Tucker a few questions. I'm going to play just a bit of this, and then uh, I want to go to another interview he did um, with uh, Don Lemon, which went very different than his interview here with uh, Tucker Karkar. Coming on. So b- before you describe what you saw there, give us the overview. What is the justification within Sweden for importing this many migrants from other countries? Why are they doing it? Well, in Sweden's own words, they consider themselves to be a humanitarian superpower, probably the oldest superpower that they would qualify for. So they feel that it's their moral duty to open their borders to all and any refugees that want to come to them. So you've recently spent time there. Tell me if, I, uh, if I'm overstating this. I don't think many people in Sweden think this is working well. Is that fair to say? No, it's not fair to say, actually. In fact, uh, most people that you ask about the refugee crisis, they will say, if you, if you, because the reason why I did the whole thing to begin with, taking a step back, was that there was an absolute surge in, in both gun violence and rape in Sweden once yes. they began this open door policy. So they know that this, this crime is happening. They can feel it. The statistics are clear. But they would refer to what is the root cause behind it and say, oh, it's just more, it happened to be more violence. It's men who are raping people, not the refugees. They'll make excuses for it. The majority of the population in Sweden still want to have an open door policy. It's really, it's confounding. Huh, that's remarkable. Now, the statistics on the crime rise that you just referred to, there have been reports in the American press that those statistics are either closely held by the Swedish authorities or they've been manipulated by the Swedish authorities to downplay the role of migrants in those crimes. Is that true? Well, it depends. The, the crime statistics are the crime statistics, and, and they're, not, they're not closely held. They're, they're open to the public, and they do show this incredible surge of violence. What may actually be the problem is that they oftentimes try to cover up some of these crimes. That, for example, there's been a rash of these rapes, these music festivals. And what happens is they recover up as far as they could uh, who the perpetrators were or if actually rapes had actually occurred. Now, obviously, when you have so many people witnessing these rapes, they're difficult to do and they've come out to the public. But I think that's kind of what they're referring to, that the government has gone out of its way to try to cover up some of these problems. That is grotesque. So to the job numbers, we had in the intro something like 160,000 asylum seekers, only 500 wound up working in Sweden. That leaves a lot of unemployed people. What are they doing and how are they living? Oh, they, they live they live great, Tucker. I mean, it's one of the most generous, you know, uh, uh, financial programs that they have in terms of the amount of money they're giving to them, the housing benefits they get, the education benefits they get, the cash benefits they get. So you, they have these, and, and what, they, what they really become are no-go zones. These are areas that cops won't even enter because it's... And I think, before he goes any further, I think 
<clears throat> this might be a reason why there's – so it's also – it depends on how you cook the numbers. But I think you could just probably get by with lower crime rates if you simply just had no-go zones that your police didn't go into. If you don't go in those zones and you don't count the crime in there, then your crime rates remain lower. So I, th- I want to play this part. Of the amount of money they're giving to them, the housing benefits they get, the education benefits they get, the cash benefits they get. So you, they have these, and, and what, they, what they really become are no-go zones. These are areas that cops won't even enter because it's too dangerous for them. This is the policy of the National Police Authority in, in Sweden. So they live in these enclaves, which, by the way, are lovely. They're leafy neighborhoods. They're beautiful apartments. And they are sitting around. Be right. It's, it's difficult to get jobs. There's too many of them, but they have tremendous benefits there, which is why so many of these migrants are going to Sweden to begin with. Oh, now I, we know that the masochism of the West really knows no bounds at all. So I believe you when you say that it's not often people say out loud. I'm dissatisfied with this arrangement. I know Swedes, though, who at least in private will say this is a disaster. What's the social sanction for saying that out loud? Can you just say, you know, this isn't working or do people come down on you for saying something like that? Oh, you can say it, but you're a racist. You're a xenophobe, right? So this, I think, gives us a background in which to sort of think a little bit from an outsider's perspective about what's going on in Sweden. Now, who knows where this guy uh well, actually, I do know, so let me, I shouldn't say that. But so this guy has his. This guy goes over there. He does some investigative journalism himself. Like he actually goes over there and figures this stuff out. He looks at the stats. Instead of taking the stats from the State Department, he takes the stat stats from over there, and he's getting different numbers than what the State Department puts out. Why the State Department is putting out the crime numbers for Sweden's for Swedes and and the refugees? Why why the, why the State Department is putting that information out to the to the press instead of getting it from Sweden? I don't I don't understand. But apparently that's where our press gets their official numbers for the crime. So this guy says, "All right, I'm not going to look at the state numbers. I'm going to go over and look at the bra numbers." He gets a different set of numbers. He says, "Holy shit! I'm going to go over and I'm going to investigate this." He comes back with a very different experience than what's being reported on. That's his anecdote. That's. That's his story. So then he goes on Tucker Carlson. He tells that stuff. And uh, he then shows up on Don Lemon. And Don Lemon's, he's not having this. We don't do it like this on CNN. So you made this short documentary. It was about uh, immigrant crime in Sweden. Tucker Carlson interviewed you about the film, uh, talking about how the Swedish public feels about the situation. Let's watch this. They know that this, this crime is happening. They can feel it. The statistics are clear. But they would refer to what is the root cause behind it and say, oh, it's just more, it happens to be more violence. It's men who are raping people, not the refugees. They'll make excuses for it. The majority of the population in Sweden still want to have an open-door policy. It's really it's confounding. So the president sees your interview, um, which means you influenced him, um, the president of the United States, to spread, which really amounts to false information. Right. How do you feel about being part of that? Right. I mean, the whole thing is just surreal. Right. I mean, it was a Saturday night and I get a text from somebody. I think the president just referenced you. And then I went to it and I said, I'm not sure exactly what he was talking about, but clearly it seemed to be he was intimating this interview that we had with 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 Tucker. So, yeah, it's absolutely it's incredible. It's surreal. It's unfortunate that he had the misstatement, but it's been ready to pounce. Let's look at here's what he said. Let's watch this. Uh huh. Yeah. We've got to keep our country safe. Yeah. That's right, everybody. I'm you scared. You look at what's happening in I'm Germany. I'm scared. You look at what's happening last night in so Sweden. Scary. Sweden. Oh. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. 
Okay, so let's talk about um, the numbers here. Because we looked at the stats from the U.S. Department, the State Department. Here's what we learned, all right? Crime rose about 7% from 2012 to 2015. Much of that crime was nonviolent computer fraud and vandalism. In 2015, violent crime decreased slightly. There was no staggering increase. Um, Where did you get your information and... And did you look at the, the official number? Yeah. yeah, I like that. So that's the United States Department of Overseas Security Advisory Council for May 2016. <laughs> 2012 to 2015. Mm. Much of that crime was nonviolent computer fraud and vandalism. Mm. In 2015, violent crime decreased slightly. Mm. There was no staggering mm. increase. Um, where did you get your information uh-huh. and... And did you look at the, the official number? Yeah, from a far more accurate source, State Department. I don't know why the State Department is doing numbers for Sweden. I look at the Swedish, it's called BRA, B-R-A yeah, we have which it. is the keeper of all stats for Sweden. Right. So if you look at what I call heavy crime, so I'm talking about murder, I'm talking about sexual assault. Sexual assault from 2006, 2015, is up almost 50%. Murder, to 2012 and 2016, is up... I think almost over 80%. Yeah. Now, so those are the those are the real numbers. Yeah. Well, the r- real numbers are, they don't show up almost 80%. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't want to be rude though, but I, I don't know why they made a cut right here cuz I I would have loved to have heard what Don had to say. I do note that Don never actually shows him the data. Don looks at it and then covers it back up, but it gets well, it gets a little spicy, a little Sean spicy after this. Almost 80%. I don't, I don't want to be rude, though, but are your ears and your eyes working? Because oh. the numbers, as we're reading from Bra, yeah. right, and from the, the State Department, Forget they the State don't Department. show what you're saying. You're taking Those these numbers and you're manipulating you them in the way have, that... There's no yes, I have They're right here. The the I have them. I won't show them to you. I have them, though, and you can't look at them. They're right here. The, the raw numbers say? are up. That says Bra. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that, right? But don't look any further. I'm going to cover that back up now. <laughs> Are up. That says bra. Yeah. Yeah. Show, yeah. show me the But if yeah. you look at, if you, even if you look at crime here in the United States, overall, yeah. for the past decade, crime is down. Crime is down. Right. There was a spike. Right. Why do they talk about the United States in this context? I don't know. It just makes it more confusing. Rape is down. There was a spike. Murder's down. In, in one year. Non sweet. Right. Over time. Non That's the same thing. No, but, but it's not skyrocketing. Totally okay, okay, let's let's say that you're right. Murder is but not. There wait, is wait, no, wait, but wait, hold on, wait. you're classifying this as a skyrocket. That crime is skyrocketing. Rape. Yeah. It's not a skyrocket. So you think not, you, you think when 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 rape is down in the United States and everywhere else in Western Europe, and then rape is up fifty percent. That's not skyrocketing? Because of the way they classify you, rapes you, uh, now. In ra- listen to me. Listen. So this is the argument. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the numbers are up. All right, shut up. The numbers are up. But but it's because it's because now people are complaining when they get touched, you see? So that's why the numbers are up. Maybe or maybe people are getting touched more because there's a cultural difference. I don't know. They, they classify you, rapes uh, now. In ra- listen to me. Listen. The, the definition was before If you had not numbers. classified unwanted touching, if you're at a concert and someone touches you uh, in, on any part of your right. body, that is now in Sweden classified so, as a rape. So it is, it was and not so it is before. in the United States. First of all, it's sexual assault, not rape. But I, love how, I love how Don Lemon, in any other context, would be outraged if someone were downplaying sexual assault. Outraged. Outraged. Don Lemon would be outraged. He might even shut the show down like he did earlier this week. He would be outraged. But in this context, well, that's just a little inappropriate touching. They're just grabbing him by the pee. It's no big deal. It was and not so it before. is in the United States. First of all, it's sexual assault, not rape. But it, but it's it not was, rape, it's sexual assault. It's sexual assault in the United States. No, but it, yeah, it's, sexual assault. it's sexual assault in the United States. But Who do you think knows this? Who do you think has this definition figured out? The guy that did the investigative journalism and documentary or Don Lemon? Who do you think is probably right? 
assault in the United States, but it's not sexual assault in Sweden. Incorrect. It is now under the rape That's clause. not right. So okay. we're mistaken about that. Okay. The definition of rape in the United States, I looked at the definition. In we, fact, I we know what it is in the, the United States. We're not talking about the United listen, States. We're listen, talking listen, about Sweden. You were the definition you of rape in the United States is the same, essentially, as the definition of rape in Sweden. Now. That, no, not now. No, it's now. not. It's no, you're not. wrong. Yes, it is. They've, they've, it's, it's, a, it's a different classification. It's, it's not. Okay. I love it. Wasn't that? <laughs> oh, it's a different classification. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Man, that is... Uh, I got one more. One more. It's just a little bit of Tucker. Just a little bit on this. We'll just go for a minute. ...to have this dialogue with you. Um, I saw your show earlier, and I thought it was great when you talked about uh, that we need to move uh, beyond, let's say, that you mentioned the personality of the president or the tweets, and we need to talk about the core issues, and we need to figure out how to have a lot of people come here and how to have them invested in our country. I, I thought exactly. those were really great questions. So um, I think that, you know, what's really interesting to me, you, you know. had some great guests and the Swedish uh, journalists that you had. I think she got in the details of these statistics enough that I, that I really want to say I can certainly get into the weeds on this with you. For the last two years, I've been steeped in this very much. I've seen uh, statistics and reports and um, and numbers. And um, I would just point out that uh, none of what I have seen uh, backs up the claims that Mr. Horowitz uh, has made in, in the interview that he had with you. And I watched it twice. And I tried to <laughs> listen for specific evidence uh, or sources that he would state. And I didn't hear that. Perhaps I missed it. But it seemed to me that well, it no, was I more I anecdotal. You, I don't think you did. Uh, no, actually, he gave statistics from the Swedish National Council, which I think is part of the Ministry of Justice there. Unless not I'm this one. I'm talking about the earlier. I'm talking about okay, the but, earlier but, but interview just, from which the president that suggested that there's been an absolute rise in reported crimes right. in arrests and these rape right. stats are real and i know people said well that's because somehow the women are including rapes from before okay maybe that's true i'm not an mm-hmm. expert in swedish crime stats but the well, overall crimes you, you have know, gone up 1.5 million in a year well, i don't think it's for me to talk you know i think we can sit here and talk about swedish rape stats and if, as your guest just pointed out i think that one of the reasons <laughs> and i'm not an expert on swedish rape stats but i do know that a lot of the statistics and the crime rate has not skyrocketed has that has as has been claimed okay. and one of the okay. reasons among many that the, the those rape stats may be high. Again, I'm not an authority on that. Is because it's Sweden encourages um, people to okay. come forward. Okay, but, but it's let not me just, move on from on, that for a minute. Sorry, you because just said I think that, 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 that I'm, no, sorry, Ambassador. I don't want you to filibuster. You just said that facts matter, and so I just threw out that the crime. Yes. The overall crime rate has gone up. 1.5 million crimes in a year. Now, maybe that has nothing to do with the refugees flooding into the country, but the truth remains that the government, the prime minister, have said point blank, it's just too many people. We can't handle it. And so I wonder why it's so controversial for Americans to note that this is a problem when the Swedish government itself is saying that. Bring it in, lady. So you nailed this right now. So Uh, that's what I want to get to, because why it's really interesting to me that for the last two days we've been talking about Sweden and we're talking about this. And I think what the real conversation is, what we're really saying, this is a conversation about security. It's about fear and it's about misunderstanding. And it's about (laughs) that's what it's about. That's what it's about. All right. I'm going to cut her off. She's so bad, but you can. It goes on and he just he just can't have it. He can't have it. I got a few leftovers on old uh, Donnie Trump here. Uh, speaking of Flynn. Berg View columnist Eli Lake, who I just talked about, Circuit News, National Security title here, normally intercepts of U.S. officials and citizens are some of the most tightly held government secrets for good reason, selectively disclo- disclosing details of private conversations monitored by the FBI and NSA gives the permanent state the power to destroy. This is what police states do. The permanent state define that. Well, it's the national security bureaucracy. It includes everything from 
the administrative side of the Pentagon, uh, elements of the sort of career military, the CIA, the FBI. Um, that, it's, it's, it's the people who would have possession of these kinds of intercepts, and we trust them. It is a public trust that this stuff does not get out into the public willy-nilly, because when you kind of selectively disclose it, uh, you can ruin someone, because it's an extraordinary power to be able to listen to someone's phone calls or read their emails like that. Yeah. So that, I thought that was an, is a different term. Instead of the deep state, the permanent state. Kind of interesting. thought it was a little, little worth playing. Uh, there's other stories, too, that um, kind of caught my attention but aren't major stories. I thought maybe we give a little attention in the overtime. Wall Street Journal is reporting that intel officials are withholding intelligence from Donald Trump. Jeff Sessions was chairman of the National Security Advisory Committee alongside General Michael Flynn. He was a senior advisor in the Trump campaign, the first senator to endorse the president's campaign, and nominated him at the Republican convention in Cleveland. So Chuck Schumer will make the point that uh, Sessions is disqualified from holding any investigation against Trump. Uh, it's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, that's they're going to they're going to make that push now. Make no mistake about it. The entire reason that the intelligence apparatus is doing all of this domestic monitoring and foreign monitoring is so that way they can leverage political blackmail. It's not for you and I. Sorry. We're just not that interesting. Who, again, was part of the Trump campaign. Uh, but in addition to that question, there's also some brand new breaking news right now um, from The Wall Street Journal. Can we put this art? Can we put this article up on the screen, please? Do we make a full screen out of this? Yes. Thank you. You see the headline there. Spies keep intelligence from President Trump. What? Again, this was just posted by the Wall Street Journal. I'll just read you the lead here. U.S. intelligence officials have withheld sensitive intelligence from President Trump because they are concerned it could be leaked or compromised. Citation here is current and former officials familiar with the matter. Uh, in some of the, again, quoting from the journal, in some of these cases of withheld information, officials have decided not to show the president sources and methods that the intelligence agencies use to collect information. Those sources and methods could include, for instance, the means that an agency uses to spy on a foreign government. They're not disclosing their own sources and methods to the president. Then who knows? So he's getting the same concrete sources that we're getting about Russian hacks. That's what that means. I want to play that back again. Process that in your head for a second. The intelligence agency is not accountable to anyone. Agencies, they are not accountable to anyone. And methods that the oh, little further. current and former officials familiar with the matter... Uh, in some of the, again, quoting from the journal, in some of these cases of withheld information, officials have decided not to show the president sources and methods that the intelligence agencies use to collect information. Now, if that's the case, then how can the president make an educated decision to know if the intelligence agency is maybe just making something up? Those sources and methods could include, for instance, the means that an agency uses to spy on a foreign government. They're not showing him that stuff because they're not sure... In short, if he can be trusted. Uh-huh. Or it's because they're lying and they want to manipulate him. With it. He's the president. Joining us now is Senator Chris Murphy, a member of the Foreign Relations Committee, one of the fiercest critics of National Security Advisor Mike Flynn up until the time when he uh, left his job this week. So that is just, I'm going to, I don't need to hear her interview him. That is, to me, is a massive story. That's a massive story that we're not really talking about.
The confrontational approach the president is taking with the media won't end anytime soon if the reporting stays the same. The White House is defending this tweet the president posted saying the media is the enemy of the American people and also went after the mainstream media. This all stems from allegations of connections to Russia during the election and questionable reporting. I think the president has been very clear uh, that certain outlets have gone out of their way to not represent his record accurately. Um, and it is a concern to him. Um, and I think some reporters, he has deep respect for the First Amendment, for the role of the press. I've addressed this multiple times in the past. Uh, he has a healthy respect for the press. But I think that it's a two-way street, um, as I've also said before. And I think that the president understands that certain outlets have gone out of their way to not be completely accurate and fair in their coverage of what's going on. I would say that's probably a true statement. I think that's probably an accurate statement. I love this one. Uh, Washington Soltz, she's a little classier about her impeachment uh, strategy than, say, Maxine Waters. She uh, She's all in on the impeachment, but she's being more like Clinton about it. This is this has a real this whole thing has a real Clinton vibe. Sensible. But since, to be clear, uh, I just I just want to make the point here. Others are using that word and you're purposely not using it, which I just I want to make it clear. You're not comfortable using that word. Or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, Debbie Washington Schultz. Yep. Still. Getting called for interviews, still holding office in Florida, still an influential Democrat. It's like nothing ever happened. Like nothing ever happened. Like nothing ever happened. It's so amazing. So, yeah, she's on with Aaron and they won't want, they don't want to use the I word. Make it clear you're not comfortable using that word or even talking what, about, impe- it, you mean about it at this time. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we don't call for impeachment until you have an independent bipartisan investigation and we can get to the bottom of the possibility of high crimes and misdemeanors being committed. Uh, collusion between a presidential campaign and a foreign enemy, essentially, who was found by our own United Intelligence Community United. to have intentionally Not true. and successfully put their thumb on the scale and helped elect uh, Donald Trump as president of the United States. So, so constant contact. Amazing how many times she said that she still fails to articulate it very well. Isn't that incredible? You think you'd say something 200,000 times, you'd be a little bit better at saying it. Just, I don't know, you'd think so. It's remarkable. Remarkable, that woman. All right, uh, this, this story is a little weird. It's a little weird. All right, fine. An alleged airport assassination captured in new security footage, apparently showing Kim Jong-nam waiting to check in. When a woman comes from behind, wipes his face with what's thought to be lethal poison and walks away. The man believed to be Kim tells airport workers he feels dizzy. As he's walked to a clinic, what appears to be the same woman strolls out of the airport to a taxi. Then the man believed to be the North Korean dictator's half-brother and one-time rival is wheeled away on a stretcher, later pronounced dead at a hospital. The alleged attack happened here, in an area that, like at any airport, was crowded with people moving in every direction, providing the cover needed for an escape. Tonight, Malaysian police and Interpol are hunting for four suspects, all North Korean men, they say, who left the country the same day Kim was killed. Mm. Four others are already in custody, including that woman in the LOL shirt and another woman whose family says she thought it was all part of a TV prank. Yeah, this is weird, isn't it? And there's even a weirder twist to the story today. Um, I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but it's weird. It's just the strangest thing. Uh, this next story, I'm going to play it for you. And I, the first time I heard this story, I thought, 
Yeah, obviously we do this. Then towards the end of the story, and I'm almost tempted just to jump ahead for you. They reveal how far we spied. And then I thought, okay, holy shit, we, you know, we throw so many rocks and this house is made of glass. So WikiLeaks has dumped some CIA espionage orders for the 2012 French presidential election. WikiLeaks has released classified documents on CIA spying during the 2012 election in France. The U.S. intelligence agency reportedly targeted the current and also former French presidents. Let's go live to London now and our correspondent, Anastasia Cherkina. Anastasia, good to see you again. Whenever these things come out, there's always a lot to wade through. I know. Have you been able to glean anything so far? Right, uh, Colin, well, we're certainly uh, analyzing the documents uh, right now very carefully and we'll be updating in terms of uh, what exactly uh, we are able to find within the information that has been released by WikiLeaks. But it seems at this point that we can tell you that it's quite straightforward in the sense of being quite a major revelation, just like Julian Assange had promised ahead of 2017. He said it would be a big year for WikiLeaks again. And this is certainly not uh, a light set of documents that they have published just within the last hour. Now, especially considering in light of the current situation with so many trying to accuse Russia of getting involved and meddling in certain elections in other countries. Now, this specific latest set of leaks involves uh, the CIA. And what WikiLeaks says the documents are proving is that the CIA had actually been ordered to conduct a spying campaign for as much as seven months ahead of the 2012 presidential elections in election in France. Now, specifically in a press release that they have uh, uh, tweeted earlier uh, tonight, quote, all major French political parties were targeted for infiltration by the CIA's human and electronic spies in the seven months leading up to France's 2012 2012 presidential election, end quote. And uh, certainly in these documents that have been released today, WikiLeaks uh, makes it quite obvious by publishing them that the order, according to these three classified orders that were released was to watch the uh, political parties of uh, then-presidential uh, uh, President uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, then-presidential candidate uh, François Hollande, and uh, a set of other parties in France. And specifically, what we have been able to gauge from part. what has been released is that the interest involved uh, quite a huge scope from political strategies to internal communications of presidential uh, candidates at the time, ordering the CIA officials to investigate issues uh, such as uh, interaction with their own advisors, to what? opinions on the other candidates involved in the campaign, ah. to how the uh, candidates were funded, as well as views on the French economy, views on the U.S., views on the Greek crisis. So, as you can understand, quite a considerable scope of uh, factors that were being investigated by the CIA during this uh, 2012 presidential election campaign cycle in France. We want to know it all. Now, I know that report was awful and i apologize they are pretty much the only ones that have any audio on it gee she could boy she if she just had read through it one more time before she came on air it would have been way way more palatable Ugh. uh jeez I, I almost don't want her i just don't want any more rt i'm so sick of that but there's another story that not many other people are covering today and it's breaking right now as we record this episode and that's the uh, activists that are being told to leave at the dakota access pipeline For more on the latest at the Dakota Access Pipeline protest camp, we are joined tonight by North Dakota Congressman Kevin Kramer. 
Joining us from Bismarck, Congressman, nice to have you with us tonight. Your thoughts on the deadline to evacuate, which was imposed and put forth by the governor, the newly elected governor, I know he knows the issue. Yeah. Uh, is this going to work, Kevin? You know, I actually have a good feeling about it, Ed. We've been in contact with the law enforcement officials, the state officials, tribal officials. And by the way, one of the things the story didn't point out is that the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe has voted as a council and as a local community there in Cannonball, um, asking people to please abandon the camp, to move the camp somewhere else. Oh. Those of us that live here understand this This flood is not an if, it's, it's a when. And, and that's the problem, is the area is going to flood. The when is coming quicker than they once anticipated because there's 53 degrees here in Bismarck today. These rivers are opening up, and when that, when that river swells and the ice... Uh, comes, those structures will be turned into toothpicks. And so the tribes asked them to leave. The governors ordered them to get out. The law enforcement is there beginning to arrest people. Uh, yeah. How about a distraction, everybody? Hey, Fox News alert for you. Iraqi troops moving into South Mosul as they try to drive ISIS militants out of the city's western half. That's right. So we're now getting into Mosul. Uh, so there's your, oh, wait, what? You want one more? You want one more? Well, this one, ugh. All right, let's begin to wrap it up because this one, this one grinds my gears and we got to get out of here. But I've got to play this one. If you, if you have a loved one affected by diabetes, this is just so frustrating. More than 29 million Americans live with diabetes every day. And for some, 6 million of them, insulin is a life or death medication. Yeah. Between 2002 and 2013, the price of insulin more than tripled to more than $700 per patient. Federal lawsuit accuses the three insulin manufacturers of conspiring to raise their prices. The drug makers deny those allegations. <laughs> Anna Warner shows us the impact of the price hikes on the patient. Anna, good morning. Yeah, of course she goes and tells us a story, but the numbers tell you all you need to know. There does seem to be collusion. Maybe what they need is a cheaper way to deliver those drugs. Hmm? Hmm? This technology isn't quite ready yet for rough weather or even populated areas. You know, right now we're just testing to see how it'll work. And that's why the plan right now is to only use autonomous drones in rural areas, like here in eastern Hillsborough County, where there's fewer hazards and people, and deliveries <laughs> are more spread out and take longer. Rural is the most expensive way to deliver, right? The distance is right. the furthest. A company called Workhorse is making the drones for UPS. The drone will basically work as the driver's helper. Designing them to launch off the roof of their new electric delivery trucks. The roof slides open and from the inside, the drone route is controlled by a touchscreen. The driver would be stopping to make a delivery and then the drone will then fly to go make another delivery. The driver would then go and move to another location, and while they're doing other deliveries, the drone will come back and rendezvous with the driver back there at that location. The process could save drivers a lot of time. That is probably the most efficient delivery machine ever made. But even when the technology is ready... And it's such a complex airspace... It won't be all clear skies for the drones, which right now are FAA-regulated to fly below 400 feet. Law enforcement helicopters that fly at just 100 feet above that. Some kind of glitch between the remote control glitch. and the drone, and all of a sudden that thing shoots up, and it can cause a, a huge, huge ordeal. God, you know, there is something wrong with us as a species. We, we always freak the F out about what might go wrong, what could go wrong. Half of you listening probably right now are thinking about shotguns. People are going to be shooting these drones down. This guy's freaking out that there's going to be some sort of random technological glitch that causes a drone to either accelerate up to or fall 100 feet, which is crazy. I can tell you that is crazy. 
We go to these irrational extremes because it seems to be the best thing our monkey minds are capable of. And so we deprive ourselves of nice things. Like there is here, you know, and here's here was my version. I did it, too. I'm no better. I'm no better. My version was, well, are they going to put cameras on these things? And then are the law enforcement agencies going to subpoena the uh, footage from these drones that are out delivering packages around our houses? Then what? That's where my mind goes. We all do it. And it's so annoying because most of the time, these super, super worst case scenarios never end up happening. Pause. A, a huge, huge ordeal. Experienced pilot Stu O'Shannon also worries what happens when the drones are one day allowed to fly out of sight. Beyond line of sight, <laughs> I can't see perhaps wires or uh, other aircraft that may be that I may incur. UPS promises it won't use the drones unless they're safe. As of right now, the FAA regulations still prevent someone from flying a drone out of sight without a special exception. And right now, there's no timeline. And nobody ever does that. Nobody, nobody would ever do that. No. All right. I I do have one more Maxine Waters clip. I saved it. I saved it. (laughs) I couldn't help myself, guys. I thought this would be a great way to end the overtime. So uh, here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I present Maxine Waters admitting what might be a federal crime. I think this is a crime on uh, television. Well, I know you grew up one out of 13 children. Yeah. And when you were younger, you were a busser at an all-white restaurant. That's right. So how was that experience? (laughs) There was this restaurant called Thompson's Restaurant in um, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, we were all looking for jobs during the summer. We put our ages up. You know, I was about 14 years old. And I lied, said I was 16 so I could get Mm -hmm. a Social Security card. What? 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 I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? And I lied, said I was 16 so I could get mm-hmm. a social security card. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what? What? I don't understand that at all. Maybe you can help explain to me, unfilter.reddit.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to our patrons. I missed you last week. And if you missed us last week, go consider, just give it a thought. Give it a process. Mole on it. Patreon.com slash Unfilter, where you can sign up, support the show, and get last week's exclusive show. See you next week. Get it out of here.